Welcome to our very special edition of Transparency 19 Day 1. We are basically the Super Bowl of freight conferences anywhere around the world. Here I am with Tim Dooner. Say hi. Well, man, they call WrestleMania the showcase of the immortals. But I think there really is a new showcase of the... Because, you know... Digitization never decays, and to me, this is the real showcase of the Immortals, especially when we looked around and saw all of the beautiful people in attendance. It was a great day of transparency, day one. We were walking on the moon. Well, that came later. The mm. very first thing to come, well, I had the opportunity to uh, either fall flat on my face or just have a blast oh, introducing yeah. things. <laughs> so great to get that over with. And then uh, have a blast with Craig Fuller interviewing him. No pressure. Interviewing your boss right <laughs> no there pressure. in front of the world. What could go wrong? Actually went really great. And then the... The famous, the illustrious Gary V came to shake mm. things up with Craig. That was fun. What a way to start it off. Oh, really great time. Next thing I knew, I was uh, after a blur of uh, wonderful uh, interviews and just moving and shaking. Next thing I knew, we were walking on the moon. It was. But let's give a shout out. Oh. Let's give a shout out to the the, uh, the millions. or th I don't know how many people were on the live stream, but I heard that there was a great viewer base there. So if you couldn't attend. Yeah. I'm yeah. glad you were able to see it live. And if you didn't see it live or you just want some more insight, we're always free. There's no paywalls here. We aren't the legacy media. And that's <laughs> why we did our own coverage that you can listen to right here, right now on this show. And you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player of choice. Because, Chad... This isn't just our only coverage. This is day one. Well, what were there? Three days, right? Yes. Not one, not two, but three full days. And I mean, we just talked to some fascinating people. One of the fun things about being able to do uh, a podcast like this is that, you know, we can rap with people. We can have conversations. And we're trying to have meaningful conversations, conversations that, you know, people would want to listen to. But we're not super scripted. And we kind of want to let let our let our guests lead the way. We're willing to go with them a little cowbell for that yes Woo! and what a day of the cowbell it was too hey man you know what we weren't alone in this we did have a great sponsor who helped us who helped put this all together and gave it to you, the audience. Tell us a little bit about that, Chad. Yeah, thanks. Shout out to the North American Convert Commercial Vehicle Show. The North American Commercial Vehicle Show, NACV, is a B2B exhibition focused on fleet decision makers and key influencers in the commercial vehicle industry. Leading truck and trailer manufacturers and commercial vehicle parts and component suppliers will demonstrate their latest product offerings during the NACV Show 2019, taking place at the Georgia World Congress Center in Atlanta from October 28th through 31st. What the Truck listeners can go to nacvshow.com and register with code FW19 for a free expo hall pass. Woo, so right before we get into the coverage, let me interview you really quickly, because you mentioned it. We drove down together, we did the prep, it was a great little production ride-in, we were listening to some heavy metal to get pumped up, and you, <laughs> you had no pressure whatsoever, except you had to open the show with Craig Fuller. Tell me a little bit about that experience, just coming on stage, were you nervous? How did it feel? You know, uh, I was... Uh 
anxious about it for about a week, just like how will I distill all the things that I want to say about where I've come from, uh, you know, in the past year, year and a half in a five minute segment. But I tell you, when I when I just like literally walked out there and they're like, oh, it's it's 801. We're going to start on time. Get out there. Come on. I was just I walked up there and I didn't feel like I was walking the plank. You know, I really I really I was like, you know, I had my game face on and I just I got I got into like, you know, what, who am I? How am I? I was like, and I just got out there. I've been doing freight waves now for about six months. And I was like, we're going to have fun. This is easy. And I saw people coming in, started inviting them. And I just, I just, it was just so exciting. And I literally was feeling it and, uh, and had an absolute blast. Wow. We need to get back out. We need to get on that stage. Yeah, man. A little cowbell just for your effort. Ah, you know, thanks, we, we have a lot of guests coming on. What, what was our coverage? I know we had some internal ones. We had some externals. Give us a little bit of, of the rundown for listeners. What are they go- about to hear? Well, uh, on this episode, we uh, we we cracked open uh, the 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 can of content with uh, correspondent Mike Angel uh, on the Ocean Report. I just I just I had to just bring it right to him and ask yeah. him: Is is the tech uh, advances in maritime more of an evolution or a revolution? Mm. But you really know a lot more about the subject than I did. You challenged yeah. me on a few points, and you know I appreciated it. Well, you know what? Um, I was really excited that that Sonar was starting to bring in this ocean component too so it's really yeah. important that we're really increasing our maritime coverage so it really was a great idea to kick it off with him to show our listeners who may be traditionally more into inland that we're branching out and we're bringing in the totality the three the jb hunt 360 of the oh, supply chain how about that incumbent carrier being nimble advancing the uh what they're doing pretty cool uh also another uh insider here at freight waves kevin king of the Hill gives us his insider scoop on Amazon and the carrier, well, we'll call it a revolution. Big news. Yeah. Uh, Also, uh, Jay, easy for you to say, Wartzberger, (laughs) (laughs) he he clubs us over the head with the size and the scope, the ways and the means of auto-hauling, repo, and the developing situation of new tech for the tech segment. And you know what? I didn't really know anything about auto-haul or repo. I've been on his show, and I think Craig is going on his show. So for me, and I'm sure for you, that was really fascinating because they're – I think they're kind of an under-focused on aspect of the supply chain, so it's really nice to hear from him. I, I was really surprised by that as well. Also, Ryan Silverfox Rogers of... Ooh, that handsome devil. <laughs> ...of Covenant Transport. He gives us his take on team driving, the logistics of logistics, and, you know, how to keep everyone buckled up and having fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? And my neighbor to the north... Oh yes, yeah, right. Yeah, buddy. he's very he's very nearby. They are, um, you know, right off the highway, doing a lot of interesting things of all kinds. Also, we have Charlie Big, Big Money, Money. Dunny, President and CEO of Manning Transport. He offers his secret sauce on, you know, for how to bring a leg <laughs> for how to bring a legacy carrier up with the times. Yeah, that's fascinating yeah. too, because that's exactly what transparency is about. That's exactly about us. Bringing this information, democratizing, it's a word we always use, but bringing it 
to all aspects of the supply chain. I thought it's a funny thing that he said, um, which is a good symbol of kind of some of the challenges that you're faced with with developing a new culture for a legacy carrier is when he said, you know, there was a wall of taxidermy uh, mm. that we had mm -hmm. to remove to put up screens of data. Yeah, nice little met yeah. like metaphor. Yeah, very much a symbol. And finally, another insider, how could things be complete without Zach, the, the Sultan, Sultan of Sonar? Of Sonar! <laughs> Strickland. Strickland. Wow, that was much better. Uh, he dishes on market conditions and the latest and greatest advances in real-time data. And so many new updates in Sonar. You know, they mentioned this oh, yeah. there, the, the growth, not just of transparency 18 to 19, the growth of freight waves, but the growth of Sonar, because we're all growing together and it's magnificent to see. Yeah, uh, Sonar, um, I think by the time, you know, May has rolled around here, um, I believe it was released in late March of the previous year, so that puts it at no more than f uh, 15 months, more like 14 months, and in that amount of time, oh. I mean, it's like Moore's Law, right? What progress. Yes, 4.0. It is like we have uh, leveled up to a full-fledged, See, uh, PS4 or something. I, I don't know. Yeah, you made that analogy. You know what? We got a lot of content. Let's go to the tape. Let's let's let the listeners hear this coverage dive in. We'll be back at the end to show you our thoughts, to, to let you hear our thoughts on day one at Transparency 19. Chad, hit that play button. Let's roll. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we are coming live to you right now from Transparency 19. What the truck is happening here? All kinds of exciting things. First of all, we are in the truth booth oh, with my Lord Michael Jeff. Angel, one of the uh, one of our well, our maritime correspondent at Freight Waves. Great to have you on, Mike. Hey, thanks very much for having me on, Chad and uh, Tim. Dooner, I yeah. am Dooner. Oh, okay. My Do mom like calls me Tim or Timothy. You can just call me Dooner. Okay. I'll call you Dooner then. <laughs> yeah, thank All right, you. Dooner. Dooner, Dooner couldn't Chad, come, come along sooner. It is great to have you here. Uh, you know, we're, of course, transparency is all about visibility, talking yes. about freight tech. Uh, you know, I mean, is the, is the maritime industry, uh, like, is it is it happening very much on the freight tech side? Is it a slow burn or is it kind of, is it the revolution that seems to be happening everywhere else? Well, it is a very slow revolution. I mean, ocean, <laughs> okay. ocean shipping is by nature a conservative industry that uh, takes a long time to adopt any new uh, technology. Don't we know it with the inland carriers? I mean, very similar yep. situation. They were just mm -hmm. on stage talking about Setting fax machines on fire, you know, and finally throwing it out the window, it's 2019. Yes. And one of the big questions that a lot of ocean shippers always have is just specifically, where's my container? And <laughs> yeah. uh, companies are trying to do more with in terms of adding visibility. Maersk is talking about it. Hapag Lloyd is talking about it. And, Ooh. you know, they might have sort of a tiered service in that you can get sort of a basic uh, shipment of a box across the ocean. Uh, it'll, it'll land when it land, or you can even get sort of an upgrade to it where you have sort of real-time visibility on it and temperature control tracking for refrigerated goods, things like that. So Seems like super important, to, especially, too, when lives are often at stake. Like, you know, you, you, you pack some batteries, they turn on fire, you can't put them out with water. We, we need to, like, be able to – you need visibility, Right? There is there is an issue with cargo declaration that kind of more happens on the shipper side, but okay. yes, the ocean carriers as well. 
they want to make sure that the shippers are correctly labeling what's in the box. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been in a lot of conferences, and we've been talking about that. There was a fire on a vessel out, out right off of the coast of England or the coast of Paris about 500 yards out a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. It sank. There was another sinking before. And the, the problem is, and these guys brought it up before, they're like, well, you're surrounded by water. Why can't you put the fire out? But they're chemical fires, so that's a big problem. And these are like hazardous materials. And when they're banging around in there, so one thing that seems like a great way to stop this is – since you can't stop the fire, why don't you stop the fire starter? And with, like, IoT <laughs> sensors, you would be able to sense the heat and the source of it so you would know who was doing it. I mean, that might be a little bit different in an LTL container, but at least it would give you something. You could put it on the packaging. You, you could create some sense of liability. And they could blackball some of these shippers. I'm sure that somebody's working on that right now. Yeah, but is it going to be 50 years from now before we see that kind of adoption? Uh, I, th I think it's going to come more quickly. I mean, the industry is being forced to uh, change and to adopt. But like um, with blockchain, we're seeing like yeah. Maersk, IBM were working yes. together. And now they've kind of separated a little bit because they're noticing, at least IBM is noticing, that there's a lot of the, the, the carrier competitors, the ocean carriers, the steamship lines, they don't want to share that data. There's a lot of 3PLs that we hear. They don't, nobody wants to share their data. But the thing is, in order to modernize, we have to standardize and we have to start breaking down these silos, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Well, I'm sure to some extent that they, the carriers themselves are worried about uh, being further commoditized. I mean, you know, who cares whether what kind of ship your box is getting over on, you know, one carrier is another. So if they can sort of control that data or have sort of a proprietary network, then they can feel that they may have sort of more control over the customer well, relationship. I, I mean, they already have the VSAs, right? They already have these vessel sharing agreements. True. Everything's on the same boat. So, like, why is it that bad of an idea to put the data pool from the same boat together all in one place? Ah, well, that's an interesting point because even, say, if you're on a pooled ship, say, from what I understand, that if you uh, contract to have your container put on a mare ship and it gets put on an MSC ship, and since they're on the same VSA, that uh, you might not have the same visibility on that container even though they are on the same alliance. And that's just a matter of just having to be worked out through the alliance structure and having sort of common technology. Yeah. Well, even the blockchain itself uh, is, I believe, it's going to be a kind of a private blockchain network, right? So like, why, why the, like, I'd love to see us get, yes, get unsiloed. We're all about transparency here um, and visibility. And, and, you know, I, is it just, what is it in particular about, say, the, 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 um, the maritime shipping industry that is, that is even more, say, siloed, truncated, a little slower than, than the land. Chad, hold on. A second. That's not that's not truly fair because if you look at the inland, they, actually, there's a very great parallel between the inland carriers and the ocean carriers. It's just that consolidation has happened a lot more rapidly with the ocean carriers. So there's only there's only about nine left after Hanjin went down, right? There's there's about nine. There's Zim is independent. Uh, is Zim's like independent that. group, yep. right? And then mm -hmm. you have you have the one network, and you have these, and they kind of shift around. It's almost like when they take the AFC and the NFC and they move someone to a new division because an expansion <laughs> team comes in. But really, there's because of the vessel sharing agreements, there's really only three carriers because you're going to be on one of three vessels that are all kind of combined. Well, it sounds like you're ex you're explaining like you're explaining the the reason behind it. So I don't maybe. Oh, it's I mean, not I think totally... they're old, right? Because they're yeah. old, they're old, and they're legacy. Yeah. Yeah, their their legacy, and you know, uh, it's and and it is again that the um, each of the carrier alliances they're trying to come up with something proprietary to some extent to hold on to the customer relationship. So not only do you have the Maersk IBM 
uh, blockchain and the first partners on that are all these other partners in the 2M alliance or alliance partners, things like that for the terminals. But then uh, CMA, CGM and Costco, the members of the Ocean Alliance, they have their own blockchain initiative that they're working on called uh, Cargo Smart. Right. Now, there is a, sort of a universal initiative called the Digital Container Shipping Alliance, if I remember that acronym correctly, <laughs> the DCSA, which is trying to come up with sort of a universal standards in uh, container shipping to uh, allow that greater transparency and sort of where the containers are, expedite uh, containers on and off ships and out the terminals. Uh, but that's just gotten started. So transparency nineteen. This is all about this is all about transparency of data, right? And leveraging data. And what would you like to see happen in the ocean carrier space to really? What do you think is really going to bridge this gap and is really going to push us out of like nineteen ninety five and at least into I don't know twenty fifteen level of technology to be shared amongst these these groups? Well, it's uh, gotten better in terms of that. All the carriers have moved their quotes online and. You know, there's a lot, been a lot of news from all the carrier alliances regarding instant booking, getting space on a container much more quickly. It used to take two, three days, phone calls back and forth, uh, but now you can secure space within a couple of hours. So they've moved in that direction. I would say that the main thing now is container visibility, making sure that shippers want to know where their container is, uh, schedule reliability. When is the container going to get to the dock? And, uh, of course, a big thing, uh, of course, with all the port congestion is getting it out of the terminal and into the distribution center or the warehouse. So I used to clear ocean shipments all of the time. And, Chad, you, I don't know if you've done this before, but so when you cleared ocean shipments, you used to you'd look online and you'd look. But it wasn't like a GPS or it wasn't even like the Domino's pizza tracker. You know, it was just like you're, it would be like an estimate when it's going to arrive. It's, it's almost as sort of like... I mean, I think the post office is even ahead of it, but then they would send you an arrival notice three days beforehand, then you could file your entry. It's a whole process, and there's no, like, GPS. You can't just – you can't see it moving across the ocean. Are they it's working still an to, email. Are they working towards any satellite visibility? Because that would uh, be rad. That is uh, something that they are working on, but again, it's kind of – I think it's going to be an upgrade that if yeah. you want to have that visibility – you're going to have to pay a little extra on your container. Well, what about capacity? How's capacity on the ocean right now? I know they've been struggling because everyone expanded their ships so well. And on trucking last year was like, what, Chad? We, it, was, it, was, it was unparalleled, right? I think it was a record-setting year. Yeah, well, I guess I would uh, be curious uh, in, in what we, we know. We're, we're very familiar with the 2018 story of the capacity crunch mm-hmm. uh, on land. How much uh, did, did it parallel with maritime? There was all kinds of global trade issues what was 2018 like, and, and, and how, how, is it, uh, how, how, how are we right now, about five months into 2019? Well, uh, 2018 was a very good fourth quarter, if you were in particular trade lanes. Oh, if yeah. If you were going across the, the Trans-Pacific, you it, enjoyed a nice spike in the spot rates and that would be the whole right, yeah. trade war. Which didn't happen. <laughs> now everyone's <laughs> paying warehouse fees on that stuff. Well, it, it did happen in shippers' minds that well, they sure. had to get their boxes over much more quickly. Um, but overall, it was another sort of weak year for container shipping, one of many weak years yeah. since 2008. So, Chad, uh, you may not know this, but it's been going down. So, in us, yeah. in, on, on inland, 2017 was actually a good year, but then 2018 just raised the bar so high, it's made 2019 is actually kind of on parallel with 2017, but... 
because of that boom year, it just it makes everything look a little bit worse. Yes. Essentially, after, what was it, about oh, 2016, there was a huge glut of container ships coming into the market. Prices were weak. That's one of the things that led to the Hangen mm-hmm. bankruptcy because uh, prices were well below operating expenses. Charter rates uh, finally have revived enough that uh, carriers are at least sort of breaking even for the most part. Uh, Maersk had some okay results. Hapag Lloyd had some okay results. Uh, they were overall about break even, still disappointing. Other carriers are still struggling out there. Uh, this is an industry that is always optimistic that they can get the supply demand balance right. At least with 2019, the belief is that container demand might be up about oh two three percent and the actual supply of ships might be up about the same amount maybe a little bit less so they hope that they can get things balanced out of course it's always a matter of uh whether or not uh there's going to be a sufficient demand for seaborne trade i mean even today all of a sudden there's a potential more another round of tariffs which could either right. dampen trade or make everybody again try to rush in yes. boxes before uh, the, the, the yeah. They get well, I think it's already happening a little bit from the lanes uh, from Europe coming over, right? Yeah. yeah. But but so my question is: so we're seeing, but we're so we're seeing the carriers try to bring more value, and now we're seeing a lot of consolidation into the brokerage market. Vandegrift was picked up. I mean, there's yeah. been Damco, yep. but now they're trying to really get. Uh, and we're also seeing Amazon Freight, and we was also doing ocean shipping. Yep. And I think they're doing it at some sort of discount if you give them your, your bill of lading, which is a whole other can of worms that I don't want to open. But what are the steamship lines what, – what are they doing right now by, by consulting and buying all these brokerage other than picking up market share? Is, there some, is this good or is there some concern that shippers have by putting that many – that much control in one partner? Well, that's a good question. I mean, it is essentially that simply the carriage of a container is is a commodity business, and it's going to go to the low price leader. So if they can sort of capture the other customer margin in terms of doing the customs brokerage, the inland haulage, uh, the forwarding, have any of these ancillary services which are higher margin, then they can boost their own bottom line results. Of course, it has the knock-on effect that it might make uh, freight forwarders wary of dealing with them. Uh, They're feeling like they're getting aced out of the business, things like that. But uh, the carriers, the the ocean carriers need to do something to help their bottom line results because they have shareholders. Many of them have shareholders to answer to. See, Chad, you know this space. What about the inland carriers? Have you heard anything about the inland carriers? The, the, are the steamship lines interested in getting into that asset? Or do they realize that that's a really tough business, too, that's very low margin? Well, the only one that I can think of that's done that is uh, Canadian National. They picked up uh, trans risks. That's not exactly uh, comparable. I mean, they're, they're, gonna, they're, they're not interested in adding assets, but, you know, they're going to stay asset light. I mean, the only... Uh, company that um, I can think of is uh, HUD Trucking, which is a division of Maersk. But I don't think that they're going to want to buy any sort of fleets, any truck fleets. I mean, but they don't mind getting into the 3PL business and, you know, going asset light and finding carriers. That's a smart move. So, Chad, I got a question for you, right? So you you haven't really dealt that much with Ocean, but you have heard all the news and we work for Freightways. We're in the media. What, what, what kind of burning question do you have about ocean freight right now that maybe a lot of our audience does who's, 
Because a lot of our audience, I think, is is more inland based. They're more trucking based. And and it was funny because before you came on, Chad and I were talking about some of the terms. And there's a lot of crossover, right? Yeah. So I was saying I was saying a, a very basic term like carrier, mm-hmm. and immediately because he deals with inland, he was thinking of inland carriers. To me, because you were coming in the context of my head, I was thinking steamship lines. Yes. So, Chad, what kind of questions that have arisen that are in the media right now would you have? Well, I mean, I think I, I led off with one just about visibility and freight that that I'm that I'm curious about. I'm curious about you know IMO, I suppose, mm-hmm. and like yes. you know, uh, you know, is the is the U.S. prepared to get on board uh, with the regulations that the rest of the world seems to be doing? Well, uh, that's a very interesting question because there has been concerns about whether or not uh, President Donald Trump may try to preempt what is going to be a global regulation due to the concerns that mm. uh, if there's not enough low sulfur marine fuel yeah. uh, being made specifically for ships, it's going to have to tap into uh, the diesel markets and that's going to further pinch diesel prices for um, other sectors, namely for trucking. So, as well as it could potentially raise prices for heating oil, which is a big, which is a sort of similar huh. uh, fuel. So, so and, you see some concerns, some maybe some 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 validation behind the reasoning of of not getting on board with IMO twenty twenty. There, there could be a lot of once November twenty twenty rolls around, there could be a lot of angry voters in the Northeast suddenly wondering why my heating oil prices are going through the roof because of some regulation that the UN yeah. has propounded. So and, from a politician's uh, point of view. From a politician's of, point yeah. of view. Now, whether or not he's able to do that, that's pretty unclear, but he's at least sort of made noises about that. Yeah. Um, hmm. IMO 2020 is, is a big deal, and it's an area of concern for the ocean carriers as well as for their customers. They're all trying to figure out now how those costs are going to be passed along to uh, shippers through various surcharges, floating rates, uh, even some uh, freight forwarders like uh, Kuna Nagel, they said, we'll, we'll, take your, we'll take your IMO 2020 risk off your hands. Send your boxes through us. Okay. Uh, well, Mike, you know, you've been uh, covering maritime for um, a good while now. How, how, how long? De- decades or a decade? Well, I'm not that old. Don't, don't yeah, date the man. He's <laughs> don't date the man. My face might look that old. We have, look, we have, fresh as a date. We have centuries of market knowledge on on Jeez. staff. We are ancient. All right, um, I'm saying at least half a decade or so. What's fun in ocean shipping, Mike? Uh, what's fun? Uh, geez, when you look at all these issues that it's facing, IMO 2020, trade wars. Uh, regulation, uh, another set of uh, environmental goals they'll have to reach in 2050 to reduce their carbon footprint. Uh, what's what's fun in ocean shipping? Let's see. Whoa! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, another way of putting it is, like, what's something that's, like, firing you up right now? What's a compelling story, something that you, uh, cool you know, would, would like to see you know, resolved or a story you're following? Well, one story that I think is of uh, interest to many people, uh, the shippers and the ocean carriers, is the degree of automation at ports. There uh-huh. is, uh, that is still one of the bottlenecks, I would say, in the whole supply chain is the sort of leg in between the box getting off the ship and getting onto the streets. Um, a lot of that is a manual process right now. 
uh, one of the biggest container lines in the world. Maersk is looking to automate a terminal in Los Angeles, one of the biggest ports in North America, and that is becoming a major obstacle uh, for hmm. for Maersk. It's an area of concern for shippers since they face delays in boxes, and it's an area of concern for the port of Los Angeles because they could potentially lose business to other ports because apparently a port that is increasing in efficiently uh, in efficiency dramatically is the the mega rail project uh, on the port of savannah right yes. i mean aren't yes. they just getting things off and and on to rail in, in record time how, how are they doing it as the third largest port i believe in the u.s when 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 los angeles and ontario can't can't seem to, to get it together yeah some of it i believe is the fact that they do have a much large they have big rail capacity los uh-huh. angeles as well as long beach have huge on dock rail facilities or near dock rail facilities as well so they are moving a lot of boxes but I believe savannah has more on dock rail so it can just jump right from the ship put right on the train goes to specific distribution centers in Linden, Georgia, Los Angeles, you're going to get a lot of sort of the consumer goods markets going to local distribution, things like that. So a lot of it still has to go on a truck. Whereas with uh. Uh, the Port of Savannah, I don't know the exact mix, but a lot of it is going on trains, so it can just go to one destination really quickly. Okay. Okay. So I just want to go back to Los Angeles for a second, because you touched on something that was really interesting. And it, it, it jogged a memory in my head. And remember the big port congestion crisis that was going on at the Port of Los Angeles. And that really circles back to us because that had to do with chassis, right? There were not enough chassis going in. So there, chassis, were, no yes. kidding, there was like a, there was like 11 steamships out at anchor. It was crazy. I remember the port director was at a conference I was at, and he showed me a picture on his cell phone. Mm-hmm. And this was, I want to say, because I remember it was when one of my first son was born. It must have been. 2015, right? Was that when that port crisis was? Well, that's when they had a huge strike out there. Yes, yeah, that was yeah. a port, and that was a port crisis. So, what is the deal with the ch- with the truck chassis? Who's responsible for them, and why would something like that halt commerce so much? Well, if you've got an hour, we could go over the whole chassis issue. But no, just the elevator. <laughs> in a nutshell, uh, the ocean carriers uh, have. Largely, they used to own the chassis, and they provided that as part of the box transportation. They have divested that business. Uh, It's gone to a handful of uh, private companies, as well as some sort of collective pools um, that that handle it. Uh, Trucking companies, as well, are banding together to sort of build their own sort of um, chassis uh, suppliers uh, on a sort of not exactly a nonprofit, but sort of a low-cost model. Uh, the problem is that the finding a chassis at one terminal for a carrier, you might have to drop off a box at one terminal, go to another terminal to pick up a box, but you can't bring that chassis there. So the chassis has to sit at the first terminal, and then you're going to the other terminal to pick up a box, and you don't have a chassis there. Wow. Is, is there any solution? Is there like a digital solution? There's a lot of providers here today. What and you don't have to like pick you don't have to call anybody out, but what is a tech that is being maybe presented here or something that you've seen in terms of the freight tech space that you think is going to be really beneficial in the near term? Well, there's nothing that's specific to chassis. I mean, one thing that I've heard more drayage carriers doing is that they are adding their own chassis, that they are uh, buying their own chassis so they don't have to rely on the pools. Uh, it is just kind of a sort of a distribution issue in a matter of like making sure that you have chassis here and that 
they're not all bunched up here, so it is really just a matter of sorting them out and things like that. Uh, I believe some of the ports are looking at wireless tracking technology so they can have better inventory, uh, and that'll probably be developed uh, to, to, to help mitigate some of these chassis imbalance issues. Chassis imbalance issues, solutions <laughs> in search of a problem, yeah, perhaps. Yeah. But uh, no, uh, no, no, it, no. It's no, a big I, I get it. I'm just. Uh, it's a huge problem. We could, yes, we could um, write articles on it for years. No, I'm just teasing. Uh, that's good stuff, Mike uh, Angel. We need to have you on more often on uh, no what problem. the truck. It is great to have you get a get a perspective of what's happening in maritime. Some of the coverage that we are giving it, uh, and you know, just yeah, great to have you aboard. And it, it is a hoot Happy and a holler. Aboard. It's a hoot and a holler here at Transparency 19, man. You got big plans? I am going to uh, soak up as much of the atmosphere here as possible. It is a great event. This is my first major Freight Waves event. I'm looking forward okay. to it and hearing about some of the new tech that's going on. Yeah. In, Are you going to absorb some uh, blue martinis at the uh, Walk on the Moon party? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I will see. I will see. Okay. Because, because wow. I heard Stay that. Tuned. Stay blue. On sonar, right? Right. <laughs> Apparently, that everyone's doing it. All right, give it, give us, give us a little whack. We want to see your cowbell skills. Okay. Oh, pretty good. Whoa, that was pretty good. Right. Okay, that pretty that's good. his All right. own way. We, we're going to give an award for whoever did the best cowbell hit uh, out of here he, uh, he at did some a little point. Bit of Maybe a get a T-shirt. Yeah. So that, that first was, try, he yeah. said you set the bar somewhere. Ding ding. Yeah. Ding I'm no, ding I'm ding no, ding. I'm no yeah. dooner. Well, I don't. I'm no. <laughs> well, I'm not getting years of practice. Yeah, yeah. He's been hitting that cowbell for thirty or forty years. I don't know how long. <laughs> Hours, maybe about a week. So, do you hey. think we need more cowbell? Well, of course. Well, we're now new and improved with 100 percent more cowbell. So it's all happening here. Yeah, uh, go enjoy yourself, Mike. Yeah, dude. All right, all right. thank Ready you to go, so my much. Man. All right, thanks for having me on. Thank you. It's been great. Yeah. Wow, that was great. It was awesome talking to Mike. It sure was. You know what? Because the supply chain's interlinked, right? And I think as like we see this consolidation, well, the world's getting smaller and smaller. And it's funny because we don't always look at the supply chain holistically, right? We it, it seems like there's so many siloed and segmented parts of the supply chain, and people are ignoring that it it, it starts at the factory, or, or it start, actually starts with idea. It starts on a drafting board, so it starts with so many different departments. It goes to procurement. It touches every part of a business organization. Yet it's usually controlled. Not always the right people, but we're starting to see like uh, you know like CSEOs now, like chief supply chain officers. People yeah. can bring it all together. You know what? I, I want to start. Try, I want to think of a game we could play with some of our um, experts in different different niches of the supply chain, and just and like do like a seven degrees remove, like se- seven degrees to seven uh, to Kevin Bacon, and just be like, let's give them one topic and see if they can start talking on that topic and relate it back to their industry. You know, I because like I think it's possible. I think it's possible everything connects that's one of the things i love about this industry all right kevin hill kevin king of the hill just walked in here if you listen to <laughs> if you listen to what the what the truck episode that just came out you were on talking about amazon freight with seth holm and now we're here again we're here again and we had to come to transparency and this is such a massive event isn't it huge i mean we just saw gary v doing a keynote at the waveside chat gary v we, we saw we saw our logo on the big on the LED screen, and the LEDs there. So I heard that that is twelve hundred square feet of LED. This my my house just went on the market. My house is a thousand <laughs> square feet. So yep. that LED screen is bigger than my own home. The Kevin. screens just keep on getting bigger each and it, every it's, year. It's like looking into the sun. It is like it, looking it really into the sun. is. You kind of get blinded, right? Yeah, yeah it'll ruin your retina. 
It was hard to photograph too. It's so bright. Wow. I mean, apparently, you look like ten feet tall this morning. Whenever you came out with your your open air marks, it's just larger than life. You know what? I'm (laughs) glad to hear that now and not then. Um, Might have freaked me out. Uh, no, it's uh, great to have you on again, Kevin. Um, you know, we've been hitting on this uh, Amazon story a little bit. Um, well, I, even let's back up a little bit. Like, you know, you're you're great at doing these surveys. Um, like, what what's some of the story behind? Like, how, how did you? What like what was the inspiration behind? Hey, I am going to start now conducting surveys. Was it was it for the data? Because the data is the new oil. Which I don't know what it makes the, what that makes oil. But if data is the new oil, we're all here about transparency and tech and visibility. I mean, was that the the inspiration behind where you started with? I guess it was Carrier List a few years ago. Carrier List. So before that, I I, I worked with a. a financial media company, right, where we sold sponsorships for surveys that we did with M&A, distressed debt, things like that. So I learned the ropes on that. Okay. So on Carrier List, it was just a way to get my name out there, right? To put something of value out into the market that people would talk about. I see. And associate my name with that. So yeah. kind of like doing your own your own research, your exactly primary right. research. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So and we, we compiled data on, on carriers, right? Which includes email addresses and uh, we talked to carriers every day, so it was a nice little segue and we started doing um, uh, the, probably the biggest thing we did was during the ELD craze moving up, we yeah. were collecting information on carriers every single day and we did a, a tracking poll week by week. Going from September all the way up into April, we saw the slow adoption rate of, of carriers who are ELD ready, and uh, it got a lot of press, you know? yeah. got a lot of attention, FreightWaves being one of those yeah. media. Well, well, I, have a quite, I have a question, Kevin, about ELD. Yep. So you were doing all these surveys. You were talking to these guys, and, and I remember you know, it was the ELD apocalypse when it first came out. Everyone oh, yeah. seemed to hate <laughs> oh, it. Yes. But you know yes. what? It ended up becoming... Some carriers, smart carriers who are leveraging ELD data, end up becoming their best friend during a capacity crisis because you could pull that dwell data and you could find mm-hmm. out who the good partner is and who the bad partner is. So how is the feeling now, though? Are a lot of carriers still against the ELDs? Or are they against – I mean, there's another form of it coming out, right? Mm-hmm. Right. The end of 2019 being the end of the AOBRDs, which most mm-hmm. people think is just kind of a psychological issue, right? Just get over it. And uh, but I guess maybe that's what ELDs were. It was. I don't think it's going to be quite as severe or quite as apocalyptic, right? Because it was really, really bad. During those days, everyone's going to park their truck. No one's, you know, they are not going to accept ELDs. No one did, of course, because rates went, they skyrocketed, right? No one's going to park their truck when they can make $4 a mile. Sure. Um, But the A or B, A boards, right? Um, Yeah, that's coming. The the grandfather's uh, running out uh, at the end of this year. We're trying to help spread the word on that. Apparently 50 to 60% of the trucking population right now, and can you correct me if I'm wrong? So our survey that we did for you guys uh, and and did for FreightWaves, was 40%. But 40. then that's that's trending down on the, the smaller carriers, okay. right? If you look at the number of trucks, a lot of the, the, the larger fleets who are the early adopters of e-logs ran A-boards. And a lot of them did not switch over during the ELD deadline because they were grandfathered in. So I don't know. <laughs> if you look at the truck count... Just how many? But it's but it's forty a to fifty percent. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Why, they, why? Why does compliance yeah. take so long? Why does compliance for carriers take so long? They know these deadlines are coming. It's no secret. Mm-hmm. We're trying to help spread the word. Mm-hmm. Why though? Like, to, what, to what are they oh, saying to they? you? And you're yeah, exactly. Why do they in their surveys? You know, because they're just resistant. I don't want to say they're just resistant to change, but 
you know, their basically they have change. their resistance <laughs> change. And you have a thousand other things to do as a small carrier yeah. than to go out and, yeah. and, and make that switch. So a lot of people told us during our surveys that they're going to wait until the, the second half of the year. So okay. procrastinate to <laughs> yeah. the last minute. It seems like you ever see Finding Nemo, like there's in Finding Nemo's, there's the, the Ellen Generous plays a fish that it has a, it can only remember things for seven seconds. So the same bad things, the same wrong things can keep happening to mm-hmm. them. Is, is there sort of a phenomenon like that too in like in the inland carrier space with some with some of the legacy groups that are not they're just so non adaptive. Completely correct. You know, I yeah. mean, they are non adaptive. I, mean, I think we also you know? saw I mean, Finding Nemo. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think we can agree on that. Yes. Yeah. Yes, uh, um, a lot of them are, are non-adaptive. It's, it's, it takes a lot of time and energy to be adaptive, right? And, you know, you're going to work on your, your in your business or, or on your business, and a lot of people work in their business. Yeah, it makes, right? makes sense. Uh, of course, um, here we are. Um, we've had a soft ELD mandate that happened a year and a half ago, a hard ELD mandate that might have happened about 13 months ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, in that time, it is just simply amazing how much has happened. But one of the, one of the things that we're trying to do here on What the Truck is, you know, we're, we want to make trucking cool again. And I mean, really, we want to spend like we. And I mean, not cool again. Cool again in a different way. Like an MTCA right. hat, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Because like, uh, but here's the thing, Kevin. And here's where I'm, I'm getting at. It's yeah. like, in a way, technology leads to the hyper regulation that must be extremely um, irritating to your average to any to any trucker. At the same time, it facil like we were saying, there's there's a celebration of how much it facilitates and and, and makes visible and makes more powerful. And, and you know, so like like what is is technology right now, would you say it, it is is it over regulating truckers' lives because they're they're monitoring every step like where they're gonna park or where they're gonna how long they've been doing their hours of service? Or is it actually because it connects all the dots and they know that they don't have to wait as long and they can head haul and back haul easy like is it is it working yet? I don't know if it's if you can say yet, but it's it's getting very close, right? So the more data that from the ELDs that actually gets pumped in and used, the, the better it will be, right? Because you, basically as a, a, as a as driver or a carrier, right, you have the information at your fingertips. So, right, you're going to be tracked, right? Your, your performance, right? Uh, in-cab cameras sometimes. But you have enough information to where you don't have to work as hard to make at least the same amount of money, right? Because you have better information, yeah. better decision-making, you know where to go. To, to, to get loads, right? You know where to park. You know what shippers you're going to get detained at for, for hours upon hours. So at least you know in advance, even if you can't uh, stop that problem. Yeah, so you're getting paid per mile, right? But maybe you're going to become more efficient with those miles. Sometimes we, we beat up some of these legacy carriers, but let's be positive for a minute now. What carriers are doing a great job of ELD compliance, and who is really leveraging that data to their advantage? Are data, there some that yeah. stand out as, a, as yeah, adaptive? Awesome. Who gets the award? I, I'm not really sure. Okay, <laughs> I, I couldn't give you one person's name. No, I know, but, is, but like, are there some that that you could you could pull from, or is, is are there some carriers that really are ahead of all of this, or is it like is it an industry wide epi- epidemic? I think is what we're trying to find out, yeah, right, Chad? Like, we don't want to beat up the whole industry yeah. if there are some that are doing a great job. There are, yeah, there, there, there are. There, there are some some really good innovative carriers out there, and uh, and and actually, you'll see them in at this conference, right? Yeah, because oh, yeah. if you're if you're an innovator, you're going to be here. Great first step, right? 
<laughs> yeah. Get educated, meet people, innovate, yeah. and recreate at the same time, right? Recreate. I mean, we're, yeah, we're going to recreate. We're going to be drinking. Well, speaking of carries, right? Hunt 360. Yeah. They got a Yeah, JB Hunt, yeah, shout right. out to the headline sponsor and the Walk on the Moon party that we're all going to be recreating at, if not innovating. But we'll be networking, right? JB Hunt's an innovator. Yeah, well, I was okay. going to say, they pump so much money what, what, into exhibit, technology. what exhibit are you most excited, or like what speaker or what thing are you most excited, or presentation or, or demo? What has you the most excited at Transparency 19 right now today? <laughs> right now today? Yeah. Well, I, th- I think it just happened because Gary Vee was on stage. Oh, yeah. Right? I Whoa. mean, that was... Whoa, that guy's that larger was, than life, I know, right? right? That was dwarf the price of a mission alone. Yeah, yeah and he, he was... was, it, it really was poor Mellow, right? Yeah, he was pretty chill, I thought, was, like, yeah. compared to yeah. how a lot of times how I'd seen yeah. him. I think we were, you know, we didn't know how many uh, F-bombs. Oh, I know. Or how, I was going to say. How, it was how, very minimal. Yeah, he was, I was expecting more. But he does. He has some great content. When he wants yeah. to bring that man, it's inspiring. You know, I mean, I think I first discovered him in like 2012 ish. I read Crush It, and I mm-hmm. wanted to crush it. What you know? But uh, okay, so that's cool. It's great to have you here, um, helping to spread the word. And the well, you know, I actually did have one more question. Think sure. about you, the surveys that you conduct. Are they are they self evaluative? And if they are, is there kind of a subjectivity to them, or or are they? Do you have a scientific method with some of the questions? Like it's factual. Oh, yeah. like are they leading questions? Yeah, yeah. I, I try to try not to lead, right? Uh-huh. Because you can't be a hundred percent not leading. But you try to, to to mix up the order sometimes to where yeah. you can't follow the the pattern. And I I usually only usually use between five to ten questions and more toward the five questions. Oh, do broader broader questions that you can gather a lot of details out of instead of trying to do 30 questions where you ask yeah. every little yeah. detail that people yeah. lose interest. And then after like five questions, people just start hitting whatever. They all Are they pretty yeah. forthcoming, do you find, in general? Very or? very forthcoming. Um, so, so basically we're publishing the report uh, on Amazon today or tomorrow or, or whenever. Wow. Stay tuned. But, yes. Um, but on that point, we had something like 150 about 150 comments through the online and yeah. they were very entertaining we included them in the report oh and it, it's like reading a message board well and so okay you said amazon right well uh, real quick i know you yeah. were on what the truck you were on the last episode and we did a whole segment on it so maybe we can give an elevator pitch on that i know you're doing a presentation here so can you just can you hype us up a little bit on that yeah you want to give us a tease to that, yeah, sure, to that sure, report yeah. so, so basically uh freight waves jp uh, broke the, the the news late. Uh, I don't know last week, the week before. Uh, but Monday there's a huge sell-off of transportation stocks or logistics stocks, and so we wanted to get the market reaction of what carriers thought of Amazon entering freight brokerage or online freight matching. Yeah. Uh, brokers' opinions, shippers' opinions, and just really industry observers. So we had uh, 800 respondents. Right. We sent it out to the freight waves. Uh, Ways subscriber bites, 800 that's, respondents. That's great. Yeah, it, it, was, it was great data, response. Right? Yeah, and uh, and so we have their their thoughts and feelings on on if Amazon will really disrupt the market. Mm. And what wow, are your wait, what are they? What are, are, your, what are your thoughts and feelings? Yeah. I don't know my thoughts and feelings in the short term, though. Right, I, I think it's really to develop their own carrier bites and and keep them busy through the, the volatility of of Christmas season into January. What? Now, in the long term. Okay. I was going to say, though, yeah, Kevin, real I think quick. So, so if they're good a, at it. Being a market analyst is a bit like being a journalist, right? You have mm-hmm. to you have to wait for all of the data co- to come in, and you have to be impartial. So it's kind of hard to say what are your – I mean, your thoughts on this, it, you almost have to 
remove yourself a little bit and mm-hmm. detach yourself so that you can do the scientific method that you had just mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what I have found out on the, on the Amazon thing is that carriers shouldn't be too concerned, but brokers really should. Ooh, oh, that's oh. a little bit of a Do we have to away? wait for your... We have, to, we have to. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, we're having. All right. Then, all right. Then, with that note, we're having a cowbell competition, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, so bring we're not going to tell you what the last guy played. So I think I it might to, be a little to, unfair to, to Mike Angel since he didn't know it was a competition. Well, you know what, man? <laughs> that's right. Play a song That's or, right. Or just, 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 just hit the cowbell. Yeah, Whoa! That was strong. Authority. I think I think okay. you raised the bar a little bit. Yeah. I like raised that one. The I, I like I like the energy. We are here with 100% cowbell. It is great to have you on, Kevin, King of the Hill. 100% more cowbell. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's great to uh, great to have you on. Thanks for being here, and uh, let's keep killing it here at Transparency. Yeah, man, go enjoy the nice. show. Awesome. This thing is awesome, isn't it? This yeah. is like the Coachella yeah. freight. New I mean, and it's, improved. It's awesome. Yeah, they're just now starting the the seven minute presentation. Uh, man, we oh man, oh man, we got to get in there. Demos. Yeah, happening all yeah. the time, moving all right. and shaking. Yeah. All right, dude. Well, we're waiting for him. Let's talk about this event a little there bit. There we go. Let's talk about this event a little bit. He's coming in here. Okay, he's an auto hauler, right? Okay. So remember, so I went to an auto hauler called Cassins. It was across the street from GM. Okay. I thought instantly this would be a great lead because you would think that auto hauler, maybe, maybe we could hear you. He's at the door. Hey, come on, we'll give you a little. Come on in. Woo, next guest in What's the up, price Jay? Is right. How are you doing? <laughs> Doing Come good, Chad now. Prevost. Nice to meet no, no, you. No, no, you gotta get the, get the headset. Yeah, yeah, you get, on. Yeah, get mic'd up, buddy. Sit down and join us. Sit down and join us at the oh. big table. Hey, Jay, what's your last oh, name? Man, Wurzberger. Jay, easy for you to say. Wurzberger. Yeah, dude. Uh, oh, that, that just rolls off the tongue. Uh, <laughs> it's a good a German Calumet name, notion. right? Jay Wurzberger. Hey, it's great. Too many frogs. Great to have you on. Jay, you have a YouTube channel show called Auto. Well, tell me, tell us a little bit. Tell us a little bit about right, it because so, you're very, you're very niche category. It's auto hauling. Thank you very much. Right? Yeah, yeah here, super I'll, exciting. I know this is audio only, but I do have a Ooh. card. I'm gonna right. hand out my card. Well, speaking here. of audio only, so the audience can't see this because we're not on video yes. yet. But he first, when you first came in here, you guys scared me half to death because you came with like a crew of like eight guys. <laughs> I thought maybe you were with like like a, a counterpoint or something. Oh, like, when they they, <laughs> they invaded the, the truth booth. Yeah. My sacred yeah. service. They don't call it the truth booth for nothing, <laughs> dear. They were going to get some truth out of you, man. Auto transport intel, right? Yeah. I mean, th- this is exciting, and I can see why you would be interested in, you know, be it, being a part of this event, you know, with Transparency yes. 19. Were you at Transparency 18? So, no. So, here's the deal is that, you know, I, I've i been watching freight waves. I watch everything, transport topics wow. and everybody okay, else. Yeah. Because, you know what, in car hauling, other people aren't doing that. And I talk about freight on my YouTube show auto transport intel go to Ooh. youtube go to auto transport intel like share comment subscribe yeah. and do all that click the notification bell Absolutely. i'm live every tuesday share night two love. hour show mm-hmm. nine o'clock p.m eastern okay. eight, eight o'clock p.m central i have a, a company interviews i do live panel discussions and i talk about freight and uh, and people in car all are like why, why are you talking about freight I, I I'm think, like, what are you? Are you kidding me? What? I know it's, it's one thing I've learned. You, you park next to them, don't you? Being in the industry for just a year and a half, the world has opened up to me about how much connects uh, to and to and in and within, uh, around and about our industry. But I guess I'm curious, like, man. So, like, how long have you been doing this? Uh, Jay, how long have you been doing this? Um, this this two hours every single day. That sounds no, relentless. Every let, Tuesday let me, night. Every Hold on a second. Let me jump in on him so I can just <laughs> okay, okay. Because I have the same question, or at least I did yeah. the first first time I heard his show. Because cool. I was I was oh. full disclosure. I was invited on his show a few months ago, 
And uh, yeah, I so would, at the cool. time, I was yeah. like, how much content can there possibly be about auto haulers, right? But apparently, <laughs> yeah. apparently yeah. there's a lot more to it than, than, than we had thought. So give us a little background on yeah, auto. Tr- so, what do you talk about? All right. So I have a special recipe, and that is that I'm a media guy. I worked in Hollywood. I worked on film sets. And I'm also a writer and all those things, okay? So I'm a frustrated media guy from forever ago. And I fall in this dispatching job for car haulers. And I'm dispatching, and that is... A very frustrating job, and I'm and I'm I'm trying to learn and be an expert, and I'm teaching other dispatchers, and I'm realizing this is very hard to get good information. Oh. And being the media guy, and I'm like searching for my next big movie, or my first big movie, or anything entertaining or interesting that has to do with my passion. I start realizing I need to make a dispatch show, so I throw around the idea for a while. I end up making a Three minute, I wrote a three-minute video, got it shot. It's called The Transport Guy. It really didn't do much, and uh, which is like everything else it, media that I feel like I've done in the past. But So I started making dispatch tutorial videos, and that was a little bit of a game changer. I've got some dispatch tutorial videos that are the ones that people look at and learn how to use central dispatch. That's the car hauling load board. And then from there, it's just, it's a huge industry. Is car it? hauling is huge. Well, th- that's curious Whoa. to me. I'm curious, like, because the flat, I know flatbed, the flatbed segment of trucking is only, surprisingly, only 12% of the entire industry. Wow. Smaller than it might seem. Wow. So I'm, I'm curious, like, so like you have to get a specialty truck of, of sorts, uh, or not of sorts, very much so, for, for to, to haul these cars, right? Like, what, what do you call them? And, and what are the complexities yeah. involved in, in getting those cars on? I want to tell you, too, what's cool is that the way you talk about car haulers is the way car haulers talk about dry vans. They're like, what's a dry van? <laughs> right. Right? And, yeah. And so, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, give us some of the uh, industry. Okay. So there are there's three-car wedges that's like a 50-foot flat. It's like a flatbed, but it's at an angle, and it goes down to the to the yeah. road level and that's where yeah. you load at the road level uh-huh. and a lot of times a one ton or dually pickup is hauling the three-car trailer and that can be either by a kingpin or a fifth wheel uh mount attachment to the truck so you have your power unit and you have your trailer just like in freight right okay, okay yeah. so there's a similarity these are sister industries all right so but from the three-car trailer you can go up to a four-car trailer you can go to a five-car trailer and when you get to these levels Maybe you start adding hydraulics or you've got fixed mount. Anyways, wow. it goes all the way up to the nine car. You have a stinger. There's the stinger trailer. Then you have your high rails and your high mounts. And then your head racks. You've got cars parked over the cab. Yeah. And then you see them. That's where you see the super truckers. Those are the guys that when you look at their windshield, it's like they're looking at a car <laughs> above their head and they can barely see. Do you know some guys yeah. have to check to see if it's a red light or a green light by looking at the hood of their Peterbilt? That sounds like a pretty intense dude. Yeah. Uh, or or woman, as the case hey, may be. Hey, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. So I got, a, I got a question for you. So I had to do this investigation on the Falcon Transport closure, and I went down to GM. And there's a big closed GM plant there. They used to build the Chevy Cruises and everything. And when I was out there, I was looking for leads. And one of the things I saw right across from the big GM sign was a company called Cassins, and they're known for their big orange car haulers. Yeah. And I went and I talked to those guys. Cool. And I said to them, hey, so it seems like it would be pretty natural that you guys would get kind of hurt if GM went out of business. 
and I was surprised to hear that they said, not really, because we pick up a ton of cars from the rail. Now, do you think that maybe, because when I talked to some union guys later, it seemed they were being a little prideful about it, and everyone's a little angry at GM, so do you think they really weren't hurt by it, or is, is the rail bringing that much business to a place like that? First, I want to say I did hear your segment on that because we do love media, and that's why we make media, right? Because okay. we know that media helps. The, getting this information out, you interviewing me now, somebody sure. somewhere is learning about a car hauler for the very first time, and the light bulb's going on. Wow, there's other people out there, all right? So, yeah. And yeah. It, so you, when you ask that question, you know that I'm you're you're talking to another human being and you're saying I know there's other information and I really want to get some insight into this question. Yeah, sure. And, and, and apparently they want to block you. You feel like they yeah. want to block you mentally. And they may have been. And GM maybe. played and played some serious well, hardball which may have made it hard for Falcon because transport. they had to maybe. 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 So, Maybe. Wait, so, so what we, are you saying then? Are, are you saying that Cassins is is fine with the rail? How much business comes to the car haulers? Here's by the, rail? the thing: is uh, I know of Cassins, and I can't say I know Cassins' business or where they get their inventory. Mm-hmm. It's possible that they were moving rail cars, which had nothing to do with GM, even though it's in the mm-hmm. same area. That is possible. Okay. So, um, is so I'm I'm really curious now about about like these kinds of uh, trucks. Um, do they uh, do guys they get there? Are they do they own their own specific truck and that they mainly their their job they are just going to haul auto like automobiles owner operator yeah like an owner operator but like almost like they treat like a reefer like reefer they get these specialized trucks are, and i guess specifically you're nodding so I, so they do um but do is there a seasonality or like are there good head haul and back haul markets how do guys like figure out their lanes and know how to like maximize their opportunities. All right, so many good questions in there. So let me okay. unpack it. Okay, <laughs> so first of all, I want to say this is that I'm here because across the street we have the Auto Haulers Association of America convention happening right now. Oh, okay. I'm speaking tomorrow. Oh, okay. And one of the things that I'm presenting about is, and who am I talking to? I'm talking to some fleet carriers. Now, this is not individual owner operators. These are fleets: twenty trucks, fifty trucks, a hundred trucks. One guy's over a thousand trucks, not a guy, but a company, right? Yes. So uh, if you think of it as a pyramid, top of the pyramid, you have a limited number of fleets, base of the pyramid, individual owner operators ad nauseum. Okay. In fact, on Auto Transport Intel, since I talked to the car hauling industry about everything car hauling, a lot of newcomers are asking me questions coming in, and those new car haulers, these are guys that want to get a power unit, a trailer, become an owner operator. It's their dream. Every day I meet a new car hauler wants to get in the industry. So there are on owner operators, it's thousands. Is it the majority of the industry? Are it there is. more? Okay. It is. So you don't know about this. You did drive up with me and I was having a little bit of anxiety because the traffic was a little bit crazy, right? I think we both were just at different points, but I have like I have, I don't know what you call it, but I have a phobia of driving behind car haulers. Now, is that completely unfounded, <laughs> or, or do the cars ever roll off and, and crush? And I'm not even kidding. I'm serious. I will never I drive behind I, a car hauler. I think it crosses everybody's mind because the, these cars are like leaning precariously yeah. logs at an either. angle. Logs, too. Do you ever go behind yeah. loggers or like oh, guys no, with like yeah. rakes and stuff I, that can and just fly out? Lock, definitely things happen with those logs yeah. flying off. But really, more importantly, is that the empty car hauler, I imagine, doing a Dukes of Hazard move and just like spot hunter right over the top of them would that work <laughs> <laughs> i've always wondered that too i guess you gotta um, find out right <laughs> yeah uh so um uh 
yeah, the, we're we're just having a good time here on what the truck. That's a show, we're, right? Uh, That's a brand. No, but seriously, is there se- is there uh, is there seasonality to like when when automobiles yes. are ready and uh, what when is that time and what are some of the key markets? What is interesting, and this is the fun part, is that I think that one of the part of the recipe of Auto Transport Intel is that I started as a dispatcher, and so. Somebody would say, well, you have no business having a show because, you know, whatever. But my point is that starting at the ground level, feeling the pain of drivers every day, booking loads off load boards, hearing the concerns about rates and brokers and this and that. I can say this is that if you're if you're uh, if you're hunting loads off of a load board, there is absolutely a seasonality. Whereas if you have customers, I think you're more. You can you can uh, sustain some of the otherwise seasonality of a load board. The seasonality of a load board in car hauling has to do with the weather, right? Okay. okay. So in the winter, who wants to haul cars in the sleet, ice, mm. and snow in Michigan in December? Huh. Is there a lot of damage to these things, like when when they get there? Because a lot of like rocks and stuff. Uh, like my car gets dings and, and dents on the paint all the time. Oh, I that's, wonder what happens. Okay. Well, that is normal, and that's not seasonal. That yeah. happens everywhere all the time, and that's gravel. why you always have to know somebody who can fix a dent <laughs> yeah. in the middle of Alabama somewhere. Yeah, mm. so that's not. Do you know season. that guy? <laughs> Do you recommend somebody? He advertises on the show. Okay, so right. uh, but, not our show though. So right. we'll have to keep his name off. So I mean, that's the thing is that hunting, car hauling load boards in December and January is one of the most painful things you can do. Wow. Really? Okay. So do they, is they run like plows or something instead? Because like, I always wonder what plow guys do when it's not snowing, Which, right? Okay, so here's interesting. A lot of car hauling guys come from towing or repo. Uh, or oh, other. So those repo. are also sister industries. And Ooh. that's another thing that I get to know more about. Do you have yeah. a show on repo? I've always been actually that okay, I'm like repo sh- men. This is great. I don't have a show on repo, but I did create a repo hammer. Wait, what does that mean? But because if I ever think of booking a repo load for a car hauler, I'm going to hit my hand with the hammer and oh. not book that load because oh. it's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, because wow. here's okay, here's oh, yeah. why. Now there's a repo <laughs> guy somewhere going. Right? I liked the show a minute ago. Now I hate the show. All well. right, here's the deal: is that a repo? If you if you book a car for a car hauler to pick up at a repo lot, the repo lot says what time you're going to be here. And that has to be in two days. Well, I don't know where we're going. I mean, I can't tell you we're going to be there at 2.30 in two days. I wish. I wish we had everything on lockdown to that degree, but I don't know that. So we're not there at 2.30. Well, then their gate's closed or they're they're at the store or the car's on blocks. And now we have to just do something else anyways. Repo Man used to be a pro wrestler, too. Did you ever watch, like, WWE superstars when you were growing up? No, that's that's a year thing. Oh, that's a a Dooner thing. They were Repo Man, man. You remember him? You know, uh, being Repo, uh, in fact, if if you – reality TV, right? That's what I think. That's where Mm. I first learned Repo, reality TV. How do you get into repo? I'm just curious. You know, <laughs> I'm just really curious a, about repo. If trucking is a family industry, then repo is probably generational. Huh. And are you like legally? So how? Like what goes on there? So like, yeah, I was yeah. At, there's a lot so, of legal. Like with the Falcon yeah. Transport thing, we've been talking. That's a big topic, right? So there's a lot of freight still out there. So are they going to send repo men out to get that? And what is the legality of recovery through repo? Do you know? I mean, I know you're an auto hauler, uh, but is, well, I know I love the question, and it's the thing is that if we think about it, uh, so. If you in the future, if you want to have a good job, I would either get into either uh, repairing robots or asset recovery repo, right? Because people, you know, are everyone's leveraged to the gills. Nobody pays their bills, and someone's going to have to go get the stuff. 
fascinating. I know, that you was know, a real happy uh, note. <laughs> you know, I, I guess uh, I, for me, for a, a final uh, question or thought is yeah. like, how long, like, I mean, you know, like one of the things with, uh, you know, we, we study on our sonar data platform is like how long it takes some, some, some truckers uh, to unload depending on the kind of material or commodity that they they are hauling and and a lot of times uh unfortunately for reefers it is uh because of just having to go into a refrigerated you know food thing it's just slower they can their dock time their unload time can be upwards of four hours uh and i'm just curious i mean it just sounds like what is that process getting those cars off the lot is it is it does it like kill their day like sitting there unloading or, or, or is there a surprisingly efficient approach? I, you know, I think this is where there's a term called super truckers. And I think this is where uh, you separate the men from the super truckers. A super trucker is a nine car hauler that doesn't even really worry about that time. He's just that fast. And I've seen, I've been to an auction transport parking lot. I've watched a nine car hauler unload and they're just, they're fast. Oh, so it's all about speed. Actually loading and unloading in the grand scheme of car hauling is probably the easy part. Oh, here's one more question. So where do you, I I guess one follow up to that is, so where do you park? Like, so when I stay at like the roadway inns, I love staying at like trashy motels. So I stay at like the roadway (laughs) inn, but like where I, but I, and I see truckers there, and I see semi trucks there, but I never like see the car haulers parked at like the hotel because obviously there's a lot of goods there, right? Is so it? I want to say this is that this will be the public service announcement. Just like we need all officers need need car need everyone to move over so they have safety when they're on the side of the road. When a car hauler is loading or unloading, move over. It's very dangerous for car haulers to be on a. Uh, you know, the, the frontage road loading and unloading. So many dealerships don't have an area for the car haulers to do their work. Wow. Can you imagine the grocery store doesn't have any anywhere to pull in? There's no dock to bump. Yeah. What, you got to carry it through the front door while everybody's shopping? Mm. It's kind of crazy. So if you see a car hauler loading or unloading, Give them a break. Move over. But in trucking, you would pay for that. You you have to pay extra if you have to if you if they don't have a lift gate and if they don't have a dock. Is that the same thing in car hauling? Yeah, and I, there's no detention pay in car hauling. Mm. No, they don't. They just don't have the same level of, yeah. of of financial compensation for what what takes time or goes wrong. It's unfortunate. So. Well, we are uh, happy to be getting the word out for improved efficiencies all the way around in whatever industry it is. Uh, thanks for being on the show, Jay. It's yeah. been terrific. Goes, Thank right? you guys Be- so much for having oh, me. Oh, it's so great to have you. Do you um, you're terrific. More Cabell Award. We're not going to tell you what anyone else did. There's a, there's a bar. We don't know where it's, it is. You're going to be the third person. It's your turn <laughs> to ring the cowbell. It's your turn. Yeah. Do whatever you want with it, and we're going to judge it at the end, and someone will win the um, More Cabell Award. So please make my ears ring. So I'm going to say Auto Transport Intel. Auto Transport Intel. Very Auto smart. Transport Intel. All right, all right, all right, okay. all right, all right. He's, he's creating right. his, wow, own, he's his own chance. He plugged himself, too. That yeah. was smart. No one else, was, no one else did that yet. Woo! Well, all right. Thank you guys so Jay. much. Thank, thank you, man. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for spreading the word. Very interesting industry. Mm, wow. Yeah, man, tune in. Cool, yeah, man. I, yeah, I, I, I didn't know anything about this this world, the shadow world of, <laughs> of auto transports. And then I you know. have a guy who does... A YouTube channel around this whole thing, but it's it's exactly it's exactly what we talk about. It's the democratization of information and just having conversations and making it accessible to more people. 
It is, and that's what we're all about, spreading the love, spreading the word. Um, no matter how niche the industry might seem, hey, actually, there might be more to it than meets the eye. So we're all about edutainment here on What the Truck. You that's know what? what I like to say. And I'd like to say something to you, too. Hashtag never be afraid to be curious. Ooh. Right, hey, Chad, Ryan Rogers has just stepped in the octagon. Ryan Rogers. Well, fellow, hey, man. Fellow Chattanoogan, right? Yes, sir. Wow. And I call it fellow. I mean, I'm not, I've am i been there for like two, three weeks, but uh, I love the area. You said you actually just opened a new brokerage. That means Covenant must be doing pretty well. Yeah, we've done very well. Um, continue to grow the business, expand. Over the past couple of years, it's just been phenomenal at Covenant. So what are you here? What are you here to take in from Transparency Nineteen? What are you here to show the audience? Do you guys have a booth? Have you, did you listen to Gary and Craig up there on the stage? We did, yeah. So it's been exciting. I mean, for us, it's uh, we've got a good group here. Anything from uh, our sales side, our technology side, our broker side, our communication guys being very close um, made it very convenient. A couple hours drive down from Chattanooga, so we're we're excited to be part network. Uh, we're always looking at new technology. What are people doing um, differently? And most people here are very open to sharing ideas. Well, it's, it's a rapidly emerging field, right? And you mentioned technology. Well, we just broke that story about Amazon. And there's only really so much you can say. But, but how does Covenant feel about Amazon entering the marketplace? Well, I think if you look at Amazon, I mean, all, over the years, I mean, there's been complications with some things from a competitive perspective. But they've made our markets better. I mean, they've made, made us more efficient. They've raised the bar. Um, so they're always making us stronger, I think, to compete. So I look forward to seeing their actions in the market. And we actually haul freight for Amazon. So we support them as a customer. Wow, that's very supportive. So they don't seem to be after world domination after all? I don't think so. I think that they're <laughs> trying to make us better and make things more efficient. And I think they're going to need trucks and assets and lots of providers to help them support building their brand. But either way, it's going to be interesting to watch, right? It is. Absolutely. So you guys kind of have a pretty unique uh, business model, I guess, set up uh, with Covenant. You've got the team-based driving. You let you let drive. You treat them like a family. You let them come in uh, in the uh, in the hump yard and you know come in operationally down on the downstairs level. And of course, as we just mentioned, you opened up uh, a new office uh, in the hip part of downtown uh, Chattanooga. So, like, well, tell us a little bit about like what sets you guys apart. Uh, how are you doing things differently? Um, and does it, your very uniqueness, at times put you at, at greater risk for, for certain uncertainties in the market? Well, I think what's very special about Covenant is the culture. Uh, the co culture at Covenant is phenomenal. It's about our employees. It's about people. They do an excellent job with our driver workforce, with our office employees. As, as you mentioned, our corporate headquarters, I mean, our corporate headquarters in Chattanooga is also combined with a terminal facility. So they're not just to access the first floor. They can access any floor anytime um, during the normal hours okay. uh, throughout the day. So it's very engaging, very accessible to our president, our CEO, if there's conversations needed. I don't, I don't mean to interrupt, but Chad, so you said they have a very unique way of doing business. I'm not entirely familiar with how you guys do business. So what is, what's so unique about it that you just spoke about? Well, I think what's unique about Covenant is the business models that we have. So we have several non-asset and asset uh, businesses underneath our platform. We started from an, as an expedited hauler uh, with Team Freight. I believe, uh, don't quote me on this, but I guess I'm on air, that we're about the second largest in the industry from a team perspective, uh, which is a very exciting opportunity for expedited, especially as things have continued to, um, you know, two day, one day. Well, guess what? They need more teams to be able to do that. They can run 
um, length of haul that can get there really fast and the trucks not stop. In addition to that, we have a reefer division. We have dedicated division. We have an equipment financing company. We have a factoring company. We have non-asset brokerage. And then last year, uh, we expanded and grew with acquisition of land air, which got us into the warehousing market as well. Now, aside from Sonar, because we know that would be the obvious answer, what tech product have you seen here out on the show floor or have you seen a demo of that like you think would really help either enhance the industry or enhance Covenant? What seems to have a lot of value here? Because there's a lot of excitement. There's a ton of energy. There's a lot of LED. <laughs> there's there a is. There's, right. there's a lot of LED. The demos have been fantastic. Some of those we actually have participated in the past with uh, the Dynamo Fund through Venture Capital group there in Chattanooga had seen some of the products, but I like what Truck Stop's doing. Freight AI is really cool. Um, as he mentioned, Archie's got an, a pretty strong non-compete there, but um, just the technology that's coming through, spent some time with uh, the Keep Trucking guys, but really everybody that has products here, it's just amazing. And I have a 20-year career in the industry, and this is by far the best ever year to be in trucking because people love us. They want to be in the market. They want to, The technology's finally coming that is uh, really aggressive, and it's what we've needed, and the technology's there to support the needs to continue expanding our industry. Chet, yeah. you have, he said 20 years. You have a year and a half. And I think in that year and a half, how <laughs> much have you seen change in just a year and a half? Oh, yeah, I know. I was talking about it today uh, as we opened things up. Uh, just like it's unreal. It's, it's practically surreal how far uh, my life has come and changed uh, in the past year and a half. I was writing... Uh, choose your own adventure books when you know when I met Craig turn to page 38 <laughs> and Craig made you turn to page 39 that's right and then it was like we wrote a we're writing a whole new book um so yeah obviously a lot of things have changed you know uh I guess Ryan one one question I have speaking of the change you know we have the hard and the soft uh, ELD mandate you guys do a lot of team-based driving you know what what are the advantages that you keep experiencing with team-based driving what are the disadvantages are they just that, you know, it's hard to find people to pair up with? or It is. So the big advantage is obviously the speed and the need for expedited services. But, yes, the challenge is the workforce obviously is, is very difficult with drivers right now. But team drivers is even uh, more difficult because you're trying to pair, pair up two people in a truck. A truck's, um, you know, a lot of the new trucks are really nice and they look great. And you climb in and you're like, this is really cool. But did you spend 21 days in there and with somebody else yeah. um, is really quite a challenge. So we're always continuously working on recruiting the right people that have interest in that from, um, we call them true teams, which would pair up. Um, could be husband and wife. It could be another partner. It could be um, brother and dad. It just varies. But if you do, if you if you are able to pair them and it's a successful situation, what are the advantages? Are they enormous or does hours of service kind of slow things down or do they just, are they continuously running almost? It's a huge advantage. They they are almost continuously running. Okay. So we don't have to stop the truck. They can keep going and they can, there's very little time to, in between, but they're able to just rotate out. So one person's in the bunk sleeping, resting, another's driving and you can obviously cover the country very quickly. The challenge that we have is continuing to make sure that as the length of haul shortens is the value play for having a team. People, okay. have, been, people have been tweeting at me because we, we mentioned freight tech, and all of a sudden I think people are jumping a little further in the future, talking about autonomous vehicles and the electric trucks and all of that stuff, sort of, sort of tech that's being developed. It's emergent, but um, we haven't really seen it in practice. It seems that far off. How far off do you think we are from you know, the Nikolas and the Teslas and, and these electric trucks and especially autonomous vehicles? I don't think we're that far off. I think it just uh, feels like we keep getting closer and closer. Is that 
five to 10 years. But I think, um, I think those products are, there's a lot of products that it's available today. The question is, will regulation allow it? Yeah. Um, today I've, I've, uh, had the opportunity to see the Tesla truck and spend time with the electric truck there. Um, our head of innovation has been out and spent time with Daimler on electric. So electric seems to be moving very quickly. And I think autonomous is actually going to move a lot faster as well. I mean, we're starting to see, we've got a product coming out in a couple months, one of Daimler's uh, first Freightliner trucks that's going to have level two, which I got to spend some time with that. And it's phenomenal. It's uh, lane, lane assist, lane keep. Um, it's really keeps the driver from being very distracted. They're able to um, really focus on the road. They're able to take their time and it's, it just helps them manage their day and makes a lot less driver fatigue. So the question is, well, L4 and L5, when will that come to fruition? But right now, driver driver assist products is phenomenal. You got to get interstate travel in there and the regulations. It's tough. It's a tough market, right? Because we saw that one cab. The, it wasn't a cab. It was an autonomous like Uber or something, right? It hit a pedestrian who ran across right. the street. And like people get, and this is not to say it's a bad thing, but regular drivers, human drivers get in accidents all the time. Trucks right. get in accidents all the time. But when you're talking about an autonomous truck, it, it's, it's, they have a much higher barrier. There's a much higher standard of operation to have those proliferate. Uh, it seems like it's perfection. Yeah. And, and that's a little tough because our drivers aren't perfect as well. But if there's any products that we can we can um, really try to add to the trucks that can make the, the roads safer and easier for pedestrians, for other drivers, for our, our drivers as well. Are you guys um, placing any advance orders with uh, Nikola or Tesla? Well, we haven't. We're We're still exploring. Yeah. Okay. You don't want yeah. to be the beta tester necessarily. Not necessarily. First ones. Yeah. W- what's next? What's on the horizon for, for Covenant? Well, I think uh, a lot of the areas that we're focused on, obviously you see, hear the buzzwords around visibility, but visibility is extremely important. We have a lot of visibility on our, ex- our existing asset-based um, trucks that we have today, but trying to get that on our exterior exterior external carriers is what's going to be really important. And I know everybody talks about it. But the more people get comfortable with sharing the visibility, it will be really good because our shippers are expecting that kind of visibility today. And we do it via phone calls, so I'm not for sure what's holding us back from a technology other than being open-minded to adapt. Wow. Well said. Speaking about it here, right here on Transparency 19, where it's all about the technology We want to give you an opportunity here to uh, ring the cowbell. We are giving away. We're going to do a best in show of all of our guests. Everyone's been hitting it. They've been been taking about five seconds. Come up with your best routine that you can. We're going to judge it at the end, and you will win the Transparency 19 More Cowbell Award. I'm not meant to be a musician, but I'll try. All right. Hmm. (laughs) Okay. Well, Well, all right. Yeah. Um, well, little, I mean, we'll have to go to the job. We'll have to review the audio. Yes. There, there's uh, some creativity. <laughs> yeah. Um, Not that was a like shaving a haircut, too. But it's like, you're, like, that's like Roger Rabbit, right? But then he added a little bit to it at the yeah, end. Yeah, he did do a spin. To, Just to turn it yeah. and shake it up a little. You don't want to get like, the no copyright issues either. Shaking <laughs> it up here on uh, What the Truck with uh, the Silver Fox. Thank you, sir. Yeah, right. Yeah, go go looking... join. Go join. Enjoy the show, right? Yeah. Well, lo- looking forward to partying with you a little bit later, drinking yeah. a blue martini or something. Sounds great. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Yeah. Great to have you on. It's nonstop yeah. for us today. Charlie DeHoney is in the studio. We just met this guy this morning, Manning's Truck Brokerage, and you, you're a storyteller. You're the doctor of fiction. <laughs> you are the choose-your-own-adventure, and we told you kind of what he did. You said you have to come back in here. What did he say to you? 
Uh, well, it's, <laughs> I guess, um, you said that you are, uh, you've bought, uh, a, a brokerage, about 50 people, about, about 20 people, but 20 it's a 50 year old brokerage, a 50 in Omaha, year Nebraska. old brokerage in Omaha, Nebraska. What English could go wrong? Major, not a math right. major. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so you, you're, you're trying to basically do, uh, what, you know, we're all about at Transparency 19 here. You're talking about, you're wanting to bring technology to this brokerage so that you can scale it and make it badass. And I don't know what else, Charlie? Modernize a legacy carrier, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, my background is I come from a, a blue chip broker, uh, started my career with Worldwide Express back in the early growth days and, and was able to get a lot of framework that uh, I still use to this day. Uh, left Worldwide after uh, seven or eight years before um, starting and building my own uh, brokerage business uh, focused on the LTL space. Um, so I ran that company for about four years, and I sold it uh, and got heavily involved in technology-enabled logistics startups. So um, I was one of the part of the founding team at Cargomatic. It was their first uh, first hire on the ground and, and head of growth, and invested in that company. And then uh, Shiphawk came after that, and then was co-founder at Airspace Technologies directly after that. So have been highly involved in the last five or six years around. Uh, building and scaling technology-enabled logistics companies. And through that process, I've become more comfortable uh, addressing the investment community and, and raising dollars from other folks to be able to do these types of things. And so uh, on that journey of building technology and selling parts of the company to be able to do that, um, I started to wonder what might happen if you were able to uh, find an existing asset, a healthy business that was spitting off profits uh, that investors love to to put money into. Um, it, it takes a lot of the risk out of the business. But what if we could could find the right vehicle uh, to go in and, and put some technology on top of and ultimately end up in the exact same place as some of the uh, brokers that are starting digitally from uh, the ground. Well, Charlie, so we, we kind of dog legacy carriers quite a bit because it's like 1995 when you go in most right. offices, you know, they're on like 56K modems and they're faxing people and you hear the AOL dial-up sound going on. Yep. So what is the greatest challenge that you face coming into this <laughs> Manning's truck and truck brokerage? I mean, was the first thing you had unplugged the fax machine, like you said, throw it out the window, set it on fire? Uh, and why Omaha? Uh, so Omaha, I'll, I'll start with the Omaha part, and then there's a probably a funnier answer to the uh, to Tim's question. But um, when you look at Omaha, number one geographically, directly in the middle of the country, so ideal from a, a logistics hub uh, standpoint. Um, but one thing I didn't know about Omaha until I got there is how entrenched logistics and supply chain is in the blood of those people. So oh. uh, going back to the railroad originally coming through Omaha and uh, it being home of Union Pacific and Warner Trucking mm. and a number of other companies are uh, have big satellites there. Um, so companies like Iowa State and um, and University of Nebraska, Omaha feed in. A lot of fracking in. too, right? A lot of fracking going on there? That's more in the Dakotas. Okay. It's going to be west. But, um, so there, there's a, a big logistics community and there's actually schools that teach and coach on logistics there, which is, is interesting. Omaha, somewhere in middle America, as the Counting Crows once said. Yeah. In the mid-90s, exactly. I think. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but going back to, to uh, Tim's question, you know, what, what, how, what do you uh, find? The biggest challenge. You know, so yeah. you go in this legacy carrier, and like I said, we dog them, so you have to really upgrade a lot. 
Yeah, and I'd say it starts with the culture, right? There's some really great people there that have been there for a long time. Great answer, by the way. Um, but <laughs> thank you. But I would say that their methods that they're using are a little bit behind, right? So uh, fax machines and spreadsheets get a lot of like uh, you know jokes in this space. But I would say that there's a lot of folks on our team that contribute meaning- meaningfully that don't know Excel. Yeah. Um, and so the the technology and the tools that they're using, we're in the process of upgrading, throwing in Slack as an instant messenger program. Um, probably the best analog I would say of uh, of talking about changing the culture on a legacy environment to upgrading into a new technological focused environment is um, I recently had to remove some taxidermy from the walls to put up <laughs> dashboards. Wait, did you really? Yeah. So, well, so what was on the walls? So there was a deer and a couple of pheasants that I've had to remove. and we've, That we, is symbolic, isn't it? Yeah, we've got you some know. big uh, stuffed turkeys in the office that I'm looking for new things to put on the wall Previous behind Previous owners. That. Yeah, but I, you know, I'm trying to like cycle these things out gently um, to give people it, a chance. It must be worth it to you by what you gain in the first place by deciding... You know, they've they've got enough traction. I'm willing to try to work with this, say, old dog trained in its in its own ways. And I, I'm so uh, that must be worth it uh, over just starting anew. There, it's absolutely worth it. I mean, because one thing that you can't uh, you can't generate early in these startup businesses, and I've seen it from the, uh, a number of times in the startup world, is you can't get the phone to ring. Right mm-hmm. to get out there and get the clients and start to get that wheel churning, get that flywheel effect, getting that critical mass to, right. to be running it. Huh? Yeah. Okay. So what I've said, always told people is that uh, as a startup, your number one challenge is to try to build momentum. As an established company, your number one challenge is to manage inertia. Yeah. Right. And so by coming in and changing the direction He's of got a, all the great answers, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, a lot <laughs> of quotables. Like, I mean, yeah, they're really good. You get a lot of sound bites for us. Yeah. It's the least I could do. You guys brought me out here. I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) They're really well thought out. They really are well thought out. I mean, I love that you said the culture because I think one of the biggest challenges I've been in this business personally for 14 years is that you run into a lot of resistance with with decision makers, people in power, who just do not see the value of things like data. They don't see the menu of service that's out here. Now, so, so for someone like you, this must be like a buffet being at Transparency 19. There's so much new tech emerging. Maybe not all of it is perfect or perfect for you, but what have you been seeing here that you think could like really enhance Manning's truck brokerage? I mean, Sonar could definitely help, right? Yeah, so Sonar's been transformative and actually leveraging a lot of the data sources that have become available in the last couple of years, Sonar being number one on my list. Cool. Um, so that's been super helpful, but when you when you think about bringing technology into the brokerage, I think about it in two ways. I think about automation of operations and then exposing uh, the position of your freight for transparency for the customer. So there's a number of applications that are here that would do uh, both of those items. And so I've been, yeah, it's been a smorgasbord for me just going uh, booth to booth and talking to these folks and seeing what they're working on and trying to figure out from an interoperability standpoint from my existing legacy TMS, what can I bolt on? What do I need to kind of have standalone? So tons of brain power and just great folks here to kind of uh, bridge the gap. Really? are high motor people right like we had the silver fox in here yeah he, you could tell that was it you know he he didn't really hit the cowbell that hard but he was you could tell he's very intelligent you could tell he's a high operator yeah but he had this very sort of like calming style he really relaxed me uh even while having the high energy uh, yeah. apparently um yeah so uh charlie um do, well how how techy are you are you do you consider yourself a, a technician or are you more of like the activator cowboy get, getting it done making it happen and then starting something new oh, that's an interesting analogy <laughs> yeah so <laughs> activator guess, cowboy my, what does that even mean <laughs> i don't know i don't know but it got, me, it got me really jacked but i would say that my background comes from really sales and operations and and uh all the way through my career world 
Worldwide Express and running my own companies. I've always been able mm-hmm. to uh, sit on both sides of, of that fence. Um, and then I would say just from a generational perspective, um, I grew up just right sort of before the millennial generation. And so I wouldn't say I'm a digital native. Um, I definitely remember what it was like to have a telephone. Are you a weird Xenial like I am? Exactly. Like, I was born 79. I'm 79, December 79. So is Craig. So is the boss of this. And we're like, we're not Gen X. You guys. We're not millennials, but we have the best toys in the world. Yeah. We had Transformers. We we were promised robots. We were the generation that was promised robots. We were. Yeah. There were so many robots just forced at us that, like, and I was actually in Stop and Shop. I don't know if you guys have Stop and Shop out here, but it's like they no. have an inventory robot that they put googly eyes, and it even has a sign on it that says that my name is Marty, and I'm just here to make you feel comfortable with robots, which actually was kind of a little scary. Yeah, it and it really looked like an '80s robot too. It really looked like when it was like it was like a giant like hunk of plastic. It didn't look futuristic at all. Like you thought he was going to give you like an ice beverage out of his stomach or something. I don't know. It, it kind of looked like you ever see Rocky Four. Yes. It kind of like the robot that they, that they have in the beginning of Rocky Four. There you go. Wow, we are uh, we're able to just kind of connect everything to uh, logistics, you know, one way or another. I'm tra- Charlie. Who else did you bring along with you from Manning's Truck Brokerage? Um, so our lead investor, Resurgent Capital, uh, sent yeah. our managing our managing partner, Dan Tampkin, out. So he's uh, done a phenomenal job of immersing himself in freight and just really getting up the learn curve. And I thought there was yeah. no better place for him to be than uh, here at Transparency 19 to kind of get himself up to speed. And then I also brought um, a, a younger guy from the industry that I, I met that uh, is building a really interesting company um, out in Nebraska. It's called Basic Block. Taylor Monks is a CEO, and they're focusing on mobile payment solutions for truck drivers to get these drivers paid quicker. Yeah. So uh, I thought... That sounds like a CEO name, doesn't it? Like Taylor Monks? Taylor Monks. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like, kinda... literally, like, if I was writing, like, a Nebraskan CEO's name, I would be, like, at my typewriter, you know... Taylor, Taylor Monk. Monk. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I brought those two folks, but I also uh, have been really stoked because I'm going to get to spend some time with uh, David Kiger, the chairman and, and uh, founding CEO of Worldwide Express, who was a wow. huge mentor of mine starting my career. So just being able to connect all the old and the new has been fantastic. Well, we uh, – transparency, right? Transpar- uh, transparency 19. We've been doing the More Cowbell Award. Everybody who comes in, in it, they get a chance to wag the cowbell. You you get you get about five seconds. Okay. Come up with the best thing you can do. The winner, right? What are we going to give them? We're going to give you the Transparency 19 What the Truck Cowbell Award. More Cowbell Award. But, you know, like it's... All right. Um, so you can hold it. You can do it on the table. The Silver Fox one with the table. I wouldn't necessarily recommend that. Would you? Well, so, I mean, I don't know how fair the competition is if we're going to be... That's uh, true. Giving we're giving you a little inside information. Um... Mike so, Angel did it just, you know, without any, you know, any yeah, heads up at all true. that he was doing. Whoa, what is he doing here? Mm. Well, definitely <laughs> points for creativity. Definitely point. I mean, he's like, he's That's treating his, it like a real yeah. cowbell, and that was his snare. Yeah, that, I, I mean, that was he's a Nebraskan. He's probably tipped over a few cows That before. was as unmusical as I could possibly uh, get. That, and by the wow, way, I think he, it's getting, it's, it's, he really, really gave, did up. some yeah. damage Maybe to Maybe this your, will uh, be the actual award. We'll autograph it and send it to you. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to survive the show. Yeah, I apologize for that, but you know, you guys, I I don't get oh, nervous. Oh, you didn't do no. this. It was already oh, okay. it, it already no took these apologies. bruises from here. It's I don't get nervous, but when when Tim picked up that cowbell, I just really kind of like seized up. So yeah, <laughs> uh, Charlie, it's been great to have you on. We wish you the best in transforming your culture, your legacy, yeah. culture at your your brokerage. And speaking and, uh, of transforming and and the '80s, you always say that maybe there's more than meets the eye to it. In my head, I always hear the Transformers theme song because of my age group. <laughs> 
Transformers. Yeah. More than means. I was a little honor. ahead of that. Uh, yeah. yeah, you were like yeah. a GoBuds guy. I, well, no, I was. That was GI Joe. Little GI Joe. But you had like the yeah. big ones that you put clothes on, didn't you? No. Oh. <laughs> Come on, he wasn't. No, that, thanks a lot. <laughs> that generation is dead. <laughs> um, yeah, that's come on. Give me a break. I had hip GI Joes. Uh, all right, hey, awesome to have you, Charlie. Let's yeah. let's talk more. Yeah, we'll be seeing you around here on uh, TP19. Anyway, yeah, thanks for coming awesome. out for a bite-sized snack of what the truck, man. Take it easy. You guys yeah. are awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. We'll do. We'll do. If you see a guy named the Sultan of Sonar, keep out on there, keeping send him on, our Charlie. Way. Hey, come on in. We're rolling. Oh, the Sultan is here. The Sultan of Sonar with very exciting Sonar products. A lot of LED promoting it. But that's not what we're here to do. Not here to promote sonar. Uh, I mean, we're not. We're not. Um, we're not going to sell anything. We're just going to well, give good data. No, 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 right? I, no. Of course not. But I mean, there's a lot of people pitching their products right here. Yeah. We stand behind sonar not just because we work here, but it really is a cool product that's bringing a ton of data streams together, and it's bringing that transparency. To the marketplace, Zach, you are a data guy and a data nerd. Um, are you? Oh, are you, you? Are you going? Yeah, yeah I know it's an honor. <laughs> Where do you get that little name tag? I saw one on Ellis too, uh, um, from our company. Yeah. Oh, so what do you think? <laughs> so, what about Freight Waves Fast Food? Predictive fast food. So, when you get to the register, it already knows what you're going to order. Brilliant. Uh, let's let's pitch that idea as another segment of the business. What could go wrong? Uh, no, Zach. Um, I, what are you? You know, you're looking around. I'm sure you're going to all the booths. Um, what's the coolest uh, technology that you've come across here at Transparency? <laughs> I, I, I I honestly haven't gone to that many oh, different booths. Okay, I've been, he's busy promoting am, sonar, man. I'm oh. literally going from one I guess spot that to was, the next. That I've been able to walk around. Sultan, what's a in the little new, bit? What's in the new much. release? Oh, we'll stay in your wheelhouse. I don't know why he's throwing you in a different. <laughs> you, you're curveball. a river. You're like a river fish. He's throwing you in the salt water. You know, just a curveball right off the bat. I know. No, what? So <laughs> no, what we want to make you feel comfortable, man. Great to have you. Here. There's always new versions of sonar. How, you, what version are you on now? Four. Truly, if yeah. you you know, we use the word leveling up. Um, this Ooh. this version is truly a level up. I mean, the weather alone is it gets me excited. No. We'll say it. Don't spray it. What's new? Yeah, no. <laughs> it's it's uh, so we, we got want the, the news, not the weather. The critical event center is probably the biggest thing that we've got going on in it, and that's the weather that you're talking about. And what's that? What that's going to do is allow people to. Jump on into the weather and see where it's most important to look on a given day. Zach, I mean, why is that important? Weather. Why would that be important? And to you, speaking as our junior meteorologist, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of a weather nerd myself. So okay, so I, why? So what, what's the value of knowing the weather? Uh, any any time, every time you walk into a trucking company, you're going to see a bunch of screens sitting on the top of the you know the aisles and all this kind of stuff, and it's going to be on the weather channel. <laughs> and there's a reason for that, and it's because anytime you're dispatching a load going around the country, the worst disruptor to your daily job is any kind of weather impact and mainly in the winter but certainly in the summer where right now specifically you're getting all these floods wait more so than drop loads would you say that that weather is a bigger challenge for like carriers and in the way that it's more uncontrollable there's literally nothing you can do oh about it. yeah um so with you know your shippers. You can or, blame the weatherman. You can't predict yeah. the weather. It's <laughs> not a song. You yes. can nah, only be. hope to contain it. Yeah, and you can't. Doctors, you can't contain the weather. That's oh. not a thing. Sorry. Well, yeah, I'm I'm shocked and disappointed. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well, there's um, some conspiracy theorists that think like Harp controls it. No, but you think about it, and <laughs> you go, you know, you're you're driving this load across the country, yeah. and it's going like 2,000 miles. Lots of chance for disruption on the way to the your end point. And you're trying to plan, what is that driver going to do next? Who's he going to pick up next? All of a sudden, there's four feet of snow in the way. 
he shut down for two days, can't get anywhere. Now you got to go and find somebody else to pick up the load that you missed. This guy's losing hours. He's out of service. He can't do anything. You've got to reroute everything. Also, if the weather hits, say, a terminal facility for an LTL or a shipper or something like that, you've got all this freight piling up on a dock. That happened a few years ago with a little hurricane we call Harvey. Um, oh, yeah. yeah so oh, all Yeah, the, absolutely. But everyone's disaster is another person's opportunity. Wait a second. <laughs> Whoa, hold on. I don't think every... I mean, I think that might be a little bit insensitive. He well, sounded, I'm just calling it like it is. I'm sorry. <laughs> he said, I know, heartless. So, a so let, 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 let's pivot a little second here. How is this, how is this information? Information relayed then. How do like when you go into the sonar dashboard and you want to look at the weather? What is the what's on the end user? What are they looking at? Like a heat map? No, well, not just a heat map, but they're looking at all sorts of layers of weather data. So they're going to look at precipitation, which I think most people are uh, used to looking at. But they're also going to see these risk scores for certain areas. So there's these you know objective risk scores that they've placed due to an algorithm into certain markets. Uh, it's going to give you feedback on what do do I need to take this risk very seriously, or maybe I just need to keep an eye on things. Uh, you're going to have all sorts of severe weather you know, overlays and things like that that's saying it's a flood risk, it's a severe thunderstorm risk, it's a winter yeah. weather, weather risk. Um, and it's going to give you a little bit more feedback than just looking at a straight preset player. I feel like I just went from like my Nintendo 64 to, you know, my, uh, to my PlayStation 4. No. I mean, it's it's definitely a big... Oh, yes. The graphics are really cool. The UI upgrade is, is Can tremendous. you play Fortnite on it yet? <laughs> <laughs> well, we need to make that happen. Right. Uh, no, Zach, we were just talking about it. We do freight waves now um, often, and you are one of our market experts. You're following things that are happening day in and day out. Right now, you know, like you've been you've been kind of complaining about some of the perceptions of the market. You know, it's actually volumes are just pretty much just about as good as they were in 2018, if I'm not mistaken. But what but what is the situation right now, such as we're seeing it, uh, you know, and, and like right now, lay of the land, what, where are rates at? And where where are we projecting them to go? Well, wait a second, hold, is that true? Are, are they at the same level they were in 2018? What is Sonar showing on that? Yeah, the I think I, I mean I think in the market there's a perception that it's way down, right? We were hearing people think like the bubble is going to burst, but we do earnings, yeah. so we do earnings over under, and we're seeing all these carriers are actually doing pretty well, right? Uh, surprisingly, for a historically challenging first quarter, right? But yes, uh, yeah. Well, no, and uh, rates and volume are two different things. Uh, rates are more dependent. They're they're affected by volume, but they're not generally, they're not, that's not their only cause. Uh, you have volatility. So you have market imbalance and things like that that are going like the disruptors, like Harvey, the hurricanes, but also like surging volumes coming from North Carolina when all the trucks are sitting out west. Uh, things like that are going, like the pattern that we've been watching has been very standard, like, it's been happening for six months. It's like watching the same weather pattern. We're stuck in this stagnant, you know, nothing's really changing. Not a lot of big weather coming across the country type situation for the freight market. Yeah, to make an analogy with the weather. Ah, <laughs> but so we got these. We got these volumes, and the and the do the rates are they continuing to drop, or are they have they leveled off for quite some time? They're starting to flatten a lot more. Uh, they've they've kind of hit this bottom uh, for the moment. Uh, volumes are staying relatively consistent, though. Uh, we're actually slightly up year over year, according to our uh, outbound tender volume. Data. I think that that would be surprising for a lot of listeners. And most people don't. I think I, so. Cause, and you know what? That brings up a good thing. And the, the reason we bring in data and transparency is that perception 
and reality are two different things. And misconception can send things. Like, we saw XBO lose, what, like 50% of their value for, for they lost 5% of their business in Amazon, and the market goes crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And then, like, their stock actually became a really good value. A lot of people bought it up, and, and we have visionary speaker Brad Jacobs coming here, who's probably going to talk about how he's corrected all of this. But what can the data do to not have these huge market overreactions that can really have devastating ripple effects? Oh, that's that's... The point of sonar, I mean, a lot of the data that we're looking at is objective information. It is not emotion. You have, uh, as a pricing analyst, half of what I did was pump a bunch of emotion into what I did. And it's the art form of pricing. And uh, I, was, I was trying to figure out what the market would pay for the rate without knowing their emotional state at the time. Maybe they thought that capacity was loose. Maybe they thought it was tight. I didn't know. I'm going to throw an extra 5% margin on there. Figure it out. Wait, if what the, about is there a market emotion component maybe on the horizon for Sonar? <laughs> there's there's actually several sentiment indexes or indices on uh, on Sonar. Wow. Uh, they're a little bit longer this, running, but did yeah. you know that the, the self evaluation yeah. type of survey data mm-hmm. that we use? Yeah, yeah, the logistics managers index measures some of those actual sentiments in the market, though that can help you too. But yeah. yeah. I mean, what, one of the things that I think is really cool about, um, well, how we basically as a company were able to achieve the existence of Sonar in the first place is that we were able to get like these data sources really to uh, cooperate, right? I mean, like yeah. in so many cases, like it was like, well, you're using a competitor's data and I just, you know, I I just don't know if I'm willing to share that, you know, <laughs> right. which which I, I think in, in some ways connects to the very idea of doing transparency conferences and calling it mm-hmm. that, like, yeah, there's definitely, like, you You always have to tie new data into something that people recognize and understand first uh, for them to actually jump off with it. I mean, there's points of reference for everybody. You have to find your relation point with that information before you start to really understand it. Proven, I mean, we have put a lot of dis- seemingly disparate data sets together and seen a lot of correlation. Yeah, the data the data science nerds um, mm-hmm. were able to, like, kind of take some of the recipes, like cooks in the kitchen, and mm-hmm. kind of d- decide what to do with some of the data, cross-comparing it in some interesting ways as well. It wasn't just like, okay, we're going to take this lump of data and, you know, co- you know, the, you have to do some cre- creativity as well. Yeah. What's sure. next on the horizon for, for Sonar, brother? Like, what, what are we going to see? Because it's always a new and cool thing. You just said, like, we jumped from 16-bit or 64-bit to a whole new, <laughs> we jumped three generations. And usually, you know, there's Moore's Law, and you're saying we went Moore's Law times four. So what, what, what is Sonar operating at? What's, what, I know you can't reveal everything, but, right. but what can we look forward to? Oh, man. So we did release another uh, kind of a, a widget, if, is what we call it in Sonar, uh, mm-hmm. called the Sonar Analytics. And right now it has one specific function in it, and it's the Market Volatility Index. And what that does is it gives the users a lot more ease of, like, evaluate because we have so much data, so much information in there, it can be overwhelming to a lot of the users, especially people that aren't necessarily data-minded. So this Sonar Analytics widget is going to be filled with things that are going to give the users really quick, summarized, quick, actionable information without having to kind of navigate through all the different uh, data aspects of the uh, Sonar platform. Wow. So yeah. that you heard it here first, something to look forward to, widgets. He's been eyeballing yeah. this thing. You know, like cartoons? Yeah. When they're stuck on a desert island with one other person, and it, like the person starts looking like a like a rat, like a turkey, or like a, a baked ham or something, he's been looking at the, the, he's been this eyeballing cowbell. the cowboy like this. If you've looked on our social media, he's the guy wearing the more cowbell shirt. That is true. So Very we have funny. so Sultan, you are coming in at a perfect time because we are giving away what the transparency nineteen, what the truck, more 
Cowbell Award. Award. Oh. Uh, so, so. I'll warm it up for you. You get, a, you get about five seconds. You can do whatever you want with this thing. Give us your best, and we're going to judge whoever wins. We can, wins. Do, we can yeah. do whatever you want with do it. Do whatever you oh, like. man. Okay. Last time somebody said that to me. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Oh, boy. Oh, well, there's no limits in here. We're in the, we're in the octagon. Do it. Yeah. Go crazy. Truth booth. Here we go. Ouch. Very on beat. Ouch. I liked it. Um, okay. Right. I, I, we can't declare any winners yet, but yeah. um, the good good know. contender. I would say you're yeah. I would say you're in the running. Somebody well, has definitely he's taken really chips out of this. Yeah. <laughs> I said it was it's Bruce Pristine. I mean it just shows it's been through uh, it's been to transparency. That's what happens when you come here. You learn a lot, but you take you get you're not gonna come out you're not gonna leave without a few uh, scars. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so everybody, come on board. Yeah, come get some frit. scars with us. Uh, yeah, it's great to have you, Zach Strickland, yeah, Zach, Sultan of Sonar, studio, coming into the booth, the truth booth. Thanks yeah, for man. speaking some truth. Now get out there and go educate some people on the power <laughs> of data. And I think you might need to check out some of these sonar, I mean, some of these booths around yeah. here and get familiar with them. We're going to put you to the test a little bit later. Cool. <laughs> he says, cool. Right, okay. Well He's not worried. We can't take a hint. We're trying to get you to move right. out. Thanks, out guys. Here. Thank you, Sultan. All right. See you, Strickland. Can't, no, leave that cowbell. <laughs> I mean, that was, so that was fun. We just talked to a bunch of, of new people. I think one of the most awesome things about podcasting is that you can really talk to people at level, right? And not, not right. kind of go over their head because – I mean, let's be honest. We don't. A lot of these companies are brand new. We haven't heard of some of them, right? Oh yeah. I mean, they're just trying to get the word out right now. There's 60 of these companies, as a matter of fact, and I think it, you know, um, it might be really easy to just feel like you got lost in a needle in a haystack. I mean, these are cool companies, and they're getting their due. You know, in the, for, we're doing three days of demo days. Yeah. Uh, seven minutes each. Wow. I mean, it, I, I feel like we've been here for like 72 hours. <laughs> no. And not because, not because no. it, um, yeah. not because it's been hard to do, not because this has been a challenge or it's been boring. It's just like, there has been so much, we talk about data. Energy. There's been so much mental data source oh, coming yeah. into yeah. us. Lots and lots of energy, and um, you know, have, have you had a chance to look at the boots? I know I haven't had enough of a chance. I think maybe, like, maybe we should go and take a look and go out there together and get a feel for the floor. Hey, I, I like that idea. I am familiar with some of them. Of course, we've been talking with, you know, I talked with Chris Kirchner of Slink. They're out there on the floor, I see, um, looking out the window right now. Oh, wow, We yeah. talked with Greg Price of Shipwell on the radio. As a matter of fact, um, he said today that after we interviewed him on the Road Dog Trucking, that they had 25 new customers uh, reach out to them. Yeah. So he was uh, wondering about our audience reach, which I have no idea. Idea, but obviously we have um, we have uh, the right audience. We have Keep Trucking in the house. They're gigantic, doing some amazing things. We also know about Parade mm. AI, artificial yeah. intelligence, doing a lot of things, trying to help brokers' lives. Very interesting space too, right? AI, very interesting immersion very. space, very Skynet. But but like I'm very <laughs> curious how 
I'm yeah. very curious what kind of controls are on AI. You know, I think it's something people are, can, it can be a, mo- a very powerful thing, but some people may also be a little bit scared of it, right? Overall, yeah, yeah, the, sure they can, just like anything that's unknown. I think overall, if I had to say one thing that is the most challenging thing for these companies to do is they, it's not, you know, it's software. Yeah. It's, and it's often connecting, you know, pretty abstract stuff. Yeah. That, you know, like, so... Uh, you've got to put powerful images together. You really, really, it does need a demo, uh, and it needs it needs real communicators to uh, show what what it's solving, how it's somewhat different, you know, than than the others that are maybe all in a similar space. You can easily start sounding like each other by using a lot of jargony, multisyllabic words mm, that yeah. end in you know t i o n. Um, yeah, I you mean, know, like, whatever. synchronization, you Isn't know. Isn't that why we do this show, though? Isn't this why we do this show? So, I mean, our whole goal is to make a show and to make something listenable and, yeah. to, and to translate this information, to take this data and to turn it into something that someone who is in motion, someone who's driving behind a car, someone who's running, someone's in the treadmill, so they're getting jacked at the gym. But, yeah. like, you made a really great point here, and it really gave me my rap point, because you and I have been broadcasting all day, so let's come up with some close points. Mine is, okay. because you just got me excited. You, you got me even more excited, because, for, well, for one thing, we're like a living exhibit here, so that's one takeaway I have from today. It's pretty cool. Being in the octagon, it's kind of like being in a pet shop window, you know, we talked about yeah. those kittens at the rescue shop. People keep coming by, you know, and waving to us and showing us lollipops. But people can come. People can't can't come in, but they can actually hear us, and we we lose track of that, right? Yeah, we've got hot microphones. You have to forget <laughs> that. I mean, and to an extent. But so my takeaway, my takeaway from yeah, day yeah. one is that. You, you And you said it. This is an event about market education. Huh. There's so yeah. many new companies here, and we're at a pressure. And it's always the reason Freight Waves started was to educate the market not only in our own stuff, but to bring Freight Tech to the forefront. It was obviously emerging. And, you, and we know that the that some of the, the legacy carriers and brokers and whatnot may be behind. There's some older people in this business, too, and they really need our help to, to learn the power of what's outside of this display. Yeah, uh, great point, and I, I think we should conclude on it, but it's that, you know, the incumbents, whether we call them, whether they necessarily are a legacy uh, carrier or, or not, um, many of the incumbents do have, I think, as uh, Charlie was reminding us, inherent advantages you already have some you know some troops on the ground you you have some business going you have a footprint so like if it you know if you are willing to adapt with the times which these are the times this is what is happening i mean i sometimes i yeah. say it's all happening pretty much just quoting that almost famous Chad, reference it's happening right in front of us <laughs> i mean look at it this. literally is all happening right and, and, here and you know what you're part of it cuz you and if, if people didn't watch the live stream you kicked off today's event with Craig Fuller and then he he immediately had to go talk to Gary V. And yeah. if you know Gary V's web presence. It, you know, when I before I sat down, I thought it was going to be like two bulls colliding. But it was so much different than that. It was so much more. It was a, such an yeah. interesting and compelling conversation. Well, that's, I guess, overall, maybe another huge takeaway is um, one of the visions about transparency is that we're not going to be in an echo chamber. We're not going to just be talking with other people within the industry. We're going to be talking, we're going to be learning a little bit about everything that we can, because actually, as a matter of fact, maybe it was tech that it it took to remind us this, but, you know, we're in the bit, we're in business, we're in the economic stream, you know, so we are, we are touching on 
everything, you know, obviously marketing and design and technology itself, you know, it doesn't have, it's, you know, we could call it, it's freight agnostic. You could say industry outsiders, but it all plays in, it all connects. And I think that's where the synergy and the real power uh, can, can materialize. Yeah. So do you think we should go out and maybe enjoy the show and go shake some hands? Should we, should we do a 10 cowbell salute on day one? I think we did a great. We've been broadcasting all day. I think we've done a wonderful job, right? Absolutely. All right. Do you want to count Let's me down? It. Do it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. What, what the, the truck is going on around here? Man, great right. day. Great day, man. Yeah. Let's go have some fun. Okay. Dooner, we put a lot of our guests on the spot, making them summarize their thoughts and feelings <laughs> about what they were experiencing at Transparency 19. Now, I'm throwing down the gauntlet. Can you, in 30 seconds or less, tell me your overview of what we just heard? Yeah, well, so day one, day one, this is my first time doing this event, and it was all hands on deck. You know, this was a working event for us. It was about 18-hour days because you're always on, but you're meeting so many fascinating people that I was supercharged, man. I was up at 5 o'clock every morning, and I wasn't in bed until 1 o'clock the next day, but I was up and jogging over to the precinct <laughs> because there are so many great things to hear. So my summary was, wow, what an amazing job. The hardest thing to do is to change perceptions. I didn't know much about Gary Vee other than what I saw on LinkedIn. I got a much different perception, and there is nothing more powerful then changing someone's perception is the hardest thing to do. And it's a great idea of what transparency is all about, is changing minds, hearts, and perceptions. What about you, Chad? Well, I think that's well said. Uh, I don't think I can top that. I just overall, yeah, it was it was a blur, but it was one of those things where like you're outputting a lot, but at the same time, get receiving a lot. And mm. so I, I was, uh, I was exhausted, but also like really stimulated by just, uh, all that I was learning, learning about, um, you know, receiving, you know, confirmation about things that I, I thought we should be excited about. Sure enough, a lot of others are too. So, uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Um, we are, we are here for you. Well, more and more, we've got a whole bunch of coverage we coming have, out. Yeah. We have day two coming out. That'll follow up right after this. You only got to wait one more day. So you're listening to this one, or if you already are, it's already going to be up there on Apple podcast, Spotify, your Stitcher. Fav- yeah, Stitcher. Overcast, whatever podcast player you use, you can even go to FreightWaves.com and stream it. Subscribe. You won't miss an episode. Hit is always free and always Always with 100% more cowbell as well. That is right. And uh, it's our pleasure to keep on bringing it to you. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you very soon. On What the Truck! Woo! Yeah!